Hey folks, Seth here. Before we get started with today's episode, I just want to give a quick content warning. We are talking about body safety, consent, and boundaries today. So the topic of sexual assault does come up specifically regarding children. And we also talked a little bit about a sexual encounter, not in graphic detail, um, but in a little bit of detail. So if either of those things are things that you do not want to hear about, then maybe skip this episode because we do talk about it quite a lot. Um, so I'm not going to do timestamps for this one. So yeah, hopefully you'll enjoy the episode and I'll talk to you in a minute. I'm your host, Seth Day. I use he, they pronouns and you're listening to Rad Child Podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Rad Child Podcast. So this week we are talking a little bit about consent. And I know we touched a little bit on consent when we um, uh, talked about sex. Um, but of course, uh, consent is also, you know, its own, its own wonderful, beautiful thing aside from sex. So I thought it deserved its own episode. So yeah, I'm going to invite my guests to introduce themselves. So we're just going to do our name, pronouns, where you're from, your relationship with kids and your relationship with the theme of consent. Amazing. Thank you for having me, Seth. My name is Sarah Casper, and I use she, her pronouns. I am originally from northern New Jersey, but I currently live in Brooklyn, and I consider Brooklyn home. Mm. And what is my relationship with kids? I have seven nieces and nephews. (laughs) So that's to start. And I really, I loved playing with kids since I was a kid I always loved being like the the fun aunt (laughs) and and then when I got to college and I picked my major as psychology I learned very quickly that um if you want practical experience in psychology as a college student you're gonna work with kids because (laughs) (laughs) no adult is like yeah I'll I'll have a practical you know clinical experience (laughs) with this college student Meanwhile, everyone's like, oh, yeah, you want to, like, do something with my kid with ADHD or anxiety? Like, yeah, have at it. That's so funny. And so it was very easily paved the way for me to start working with kids in a more uh, professional setting. So worked with kids here and there, summer camps, clinical settings, etc. And then eventually I got my yoga teacher certification and also started oh, teaching cool. kids yoga. And I started teaching kids yoga and mindfulness and things like that. Mm-hmm. And also in my yoga life, I started doing acrobatic yoga. Oh, cool. Which, yeah, which for, I don't know if you're familiar. Are you familiar with acrobatic yoga? It just sounds awesome. <laughs> okay, amazing. It is. It's right. It sounds like something different. You're like, I've never heard of that before, so it must be cool. It is. So acro yoga is an acrobatic practice where instead of using like trapeze or aerial silks, you're you're using your body and another person's body. Oh, okay, okay. You've probably seen it in like the park or something. Yeah, well, I, I live in Montreal where Cirque du Soleil is like a big old thing. So there's, it's probably, there's probably a lot of crossover with the things like there's always people doing circus in the park like that where like someone is like, you know, has some, it's like on their back with their feet up and someone's like on their feet, like that kind of stuff. That is exactly acro yoga. Yeah. I have a bunch of friends that I know through acro yoga in Montreal. Um, it's probably them. That's okay. <laughs> Those people I saw in the park. It's them. <laughs> it, it, it probably is. I was That's actually so recording funny. a podcast with someone who lives in uh, Panama, and she was talking about an acro class she took. And I was like, "Is it? Was her name Melissa? Was the instructor named Melissa?" And she was like, "Holy moly!" 
my yeah, god i love Small when world. stuff like that happens like i feel like that happens a lot with the queer community like i'm like you're not allowed to say that we all know each other but we kind of do yeah <laughs> yeah yeah oh my gosh or or at the very least you're like one connection away yes always yep. Like, uh, uh, it's, it'll always be so funny. Like, it'll happen on Facebook where I'm friends with someone. And I'm like, how do you even know this person? <laughs> like, I went to summer camp with them when I was seven. And meanwhile, like, it's always so weird. It's so funny. Oh, it's probably them. So acro yoga is, I got really into acro yoga. And that's where, that's where I learned how to actually practice consent. That's where I really got a chance to, hmm. in a, like a safe environment, advocate for my body, what I did want, what I didn't want, learn what it means to really check in. Oh and God, I love that. Mm-hmm, and so I kind of combined everything I knew about like kids, mindfulness, consent, and uh, mushed it all together <laughs> into what is now uh, comprehensive consent, which is a company, a project, I don't know what to call it, a brand. Uh, yeah, into what I do now. Um, so that's kind of my relationship with kids and also my relationship with consent. I love that. And I love like the different spaces and ways that we can learn about consent, like especially as adults. Like I feel like like personally, consent wasn't something that was really like taught to me in, in the active way that like I feel like I teach kids consent like that I that I work with like you know especially with things like hugging or kissing or around all of those kinds of things or even just like touching other people's bodies like I feel like I actively teach these things where I don't feel like I was sort of actively taught um in that way and like it was I feel like the like for some reason queer spaces are really good at this like I'm thinking about like da- like queer dance classes that I've taken or like movement classes or like there was a company in New York called Honest Accomplice Theater that I did some acting work with. It's all trans folks and women. And uh, they, it would always be like, like we do check-ins of like, how are you feeling today? And like, you know, like, how are you coming into the space? And like, it was very like, or, you know, because it was like improv, it would be like, are you comfortable with other people touching your body? Like today, like in this moment, you know what I mean? Because sometimes maybe you are and sometimes maybe you aren't. And I think it's so interesting. Like, like I never thought about that stuff before being in those spaces. And I loved like the invitation to think about and learn about that stuff. I think it's really special. And it's funny, like the different the th- different things that we do as adults that like incorporate that kind of stuff is really cool. So before we sort of dive into consent, we talk a lot on the podcast about sort of questions that kids might ask you that kind of catch you off guard or you're not prepared to answer. So I'm curious if there's ever been a time where a kid asked you a question that you just like weren't ready for or kind of caught you off guard. I can't think of one right now, but if I do later, I will circle back to it. (laughs) Okay. I can share one that's, it, it wasn't a question, but it is a moment that lives in my heart forever. Yes, please. Okay. So I was in a camp, I was working at a camp, it was a clinical therapeutic camp for kids with um, ADHD and comorbids, so other related co-occurring disorders. And we would go over a social skill of the day and then see if they like kind of challenge them to see if they were listening and, you know, positive reinforcement if they were very behavioral. And one time I was reviewing the social skill of the day and then I turned to a child for HIPAA purposes, we'll mm-hmm. call him Bobby. And, <laughs> and I'm like, Bobby, what was the social skill of the day? And he turns to me and he just goes, bowling? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like trying to keep a straight face. This kid, like the six-year-old best guest, was bowling. <laughs> and the social skill of the day. And I'm just like. Oh my God. I love and, that. 
so much. Oh, it was not a question, but it was like one of, it was a moment where I was challenged because I had to take his answer seriously. <laughs> um, like as if that was truly his answer and I didn't want to, you know, laugh in his face. Yeah, um, totally. So I'm like hiding behind my emotions. So it was challenging in that way, even though it wasn't a question. Mm-hmm. So diving into consent a little bit, like, First of all, just like, what even is consent like? How and how could we sort of explain what consent is in kind of kid friendly terms? I'm still coming up with the answer for that, (laughs) is the truth. (laughs) Uh, I have a a lot of difficulty with the word consent, because I do believe that it is a a result and a, a process or a language. I kind of I always come back to this idea of like, conflict, like conflict is a thing but it's not a result mm. Like you can be in it. You can define mm-hmm. a moment by conflict, but like, it's not this one singular thing. It can have ups and downs and ins and outs. Mm. And I kind of feel the same way about consent where like, you can have a very clear yes, but it's not like, okay, you did consent. Like now it's over. Like, <laughs> we now did. It's done. <laughs> right. Like you did conflict. Like now it's done. Like it's, it's this, Again, like I can't, I really struggle to come up with the right word when I'm getting all heady up in there. But what I've come up with is kind of like process is the closest thing. Mm-hmm. But obviously, when I'm explaining it to kids, I don't go that deep into it. If they're usually younger kids, I'll say that consent means that you're both excited um, and agreeing to do the thing. I don't go into that when I'm talking to kids. Usually it's a lot more simple of you, you know, your body likes some things and doesn't want, uh, but like other things and it changes Mm -hmm. from moment to moment. Um, So it's important to talk about what you like and what you don't like and see what you agree on. Yeah, I love that. Um, And I think sometimes like we have a tendency with words like consent or like concepts that are kind of complicated to be like, oh, like kids can't understand that. And I'm like, okay, but if we explain it and like, you know, the boiled down version of like what it really is, right? Like we can get into, like we were talking about before, like we can get into like, you know, debate about what consent really means and is it a process or is it a this or that? But like, that's not what kids are asking for, right? And I think it's important to have those conversations, mm-hmm. but like kids aren't asking for like your thesis on what consent is. They just want to know like, what what does it mean, right? And I so I think it, kids can understand these kind of like, you know, quote unquote complicated like uh, concepts, you know, it's just a matter of like giving them the information that they need. Right, um, it's, it's like, it's making it like scalable and like scaffolding like yeah even when we teach we teach math they don't understand the enormity of math when they're learning arithmetic but you teach them what their brains can comprehend and then as their brains develop you add different elements and let them play around with it and and that's what learning is that's so funny because um i was just doing a recording for our episode about puberty and our the, the guest that I was speaking with gave the same exact analogy of like was it's talking about puberty of like like saying like we don't jump to arithmetic right like we start with like what are numbers and then like adding and like you know and so I, I think it's so funny that like yeah it's a really it's a great analogy of like we don't just like scaffolding is so important where we're not just jumping into the you know, most complicated version of that thing. I like that even better, starting with what is numbers, yeah. Yeah, what are your numbers even? I don't know. Um, Made made up. 
Um, <laughs> everything True. is made up. This is my neil. This is now my nihilistic rant about how everything is made up. So going back into consent, um, I'm curious. Like I know you talked a little bit about your experiences with uh, with yoga and like consent, but like is that where you first sort of like learned about the concept of consent, or like when did you kind of first learn about it? Yeah, I first learned about it as something that was important for romantic or sexual mm-hmm. relationships when I was in like romantic by the time I was in like romantic mm-hmm. and sexual relationships some I don't remember the exact time I heard the word consent yeah totally but that's like but I definitely didn't hear about it before then and even when I did hear about it I didn't apply it to my own life mm. I didn't fully understand it actually you know what I have not I have not publicly shared this story but I'm gonna share the story <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's a really it's a <laughs> it's a I think it's a really good story um, this is this is where I, this is actually where I learned about consent. I was living in Bushwick the first time, and I was on Tinder, and I matched with someone who was a who just his profile seemed too crazy to be true. He was <laughs> a he was gorgeous. B was a fire thrower. <laughs> what? Like like piercings, queer. Like, like, like literally like the definition for anyone who's familiar with Bushwick Brooklyn, like he is the definition of Bushwick Brooklyn. And we, we decided we had breakfast and we're talking and we're chatting and like, I'm not really feeling it, but I am honestly so intrigued by him. (laughs) And I'm just like, like every, I I was just so unfamiliar. I was raised an Orthodox Jew and I'm like Mm. who are you like what are these rules that you're breaking and he invited me into his bedroom to like watch tv I'm like all right and so we're sitting on his bed and he looks at me he's like is it okay if I touch your leg and I am confused I'm like why in the world are you asking me if you can touch my leg like of (laughs) course you can like you're the man Like, you're supposed to, if you want to, like, just, like, take control. And I'm like, yeah. And then he's, like, kind of, like, rubbing my leg and starts to, then, like, he's like, oh, can I touch, like, your skin? Like, kind of the space between, like, my sweater and my my Mm -hmm. jeans. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) And he just started, and he, like, basically any time he was crossing what might be a boundary for me would ask. And I love that. <laughs> uh, I had this one time. And like, okay, is this a kid-friendly show? Oh my god, kids are not listening. Parents are. It's fine. <laughs> okay, amazing. This is important information. Okay, so so things continue, and then he's like, "Can I use it?" Ugh, okay, you can tell me when this isn't. Pe- oh my god, no, whatever appropriate. Anymore. Okay, then he takes out a toy. He's like, "Can I use a toy on you?" Or like, asks me, and then takes it. I'm like. Sure. I don't even know what he means when he says toy, but I'm just like, <laughs> sure. And he takes out a toy and then he puts a condom on the toy. And I'm like, what? Like, A, you have a toy and B, like you're doing safe sex practices that I don't even understand. <laughs> like, this is amazing. And then he's like, can I like, uh, is it okay if I take off my pants? And I'm like, yeah, sure. He's like, but by the way, just so you know, like I have two piercings. So, like, just a heads up. And I'm just shocked this whole time where I'm, like, he is telling, like, he is either, he is telling me slash asking me 
every yeah. single step of the way. And it's not annoying. When I'm thinking about yeah. like these are legitimate questions. <laughs> but I was so not used to it. I'm like, yeah, sure. And then, you know, we're we're making out and playing around. And then I realized I'm like, I, I think this is a safe space. Like, I think. I think this is a safe space. I'm I'm gonna ask for something I want. And mm. I knew in my head, I was like, oh, I, I always like kinda feel good when someone puts their hand or like like near my neck and it's it's by the way it's called choking um (laughs) but like I didn't like I could not say that word so I was like is it okay would you be interested in putting your hand on my neck and he was like yeah sure and I was like oh I can just (laughs) ask ask for that (laughs) I can ask are you freaking kidding me and I, I literally that. that this yeah this well this is why I haven't told the story it's not exactly for for kids um it's a little bit interesting to hear your you know consent educator for kids talk about choking but but this was truly the moment where I still couldn't say the word choking but now I can <laughs> but this was the moment where I was like oh this is what consent is it's not this uncomfortable like is it okay if I kiss you yeah like it's it's People feel like it's so clunky mm-hmm. and like it really isn't or like it's not sexy. Like there's this idea that it's not sexy, but like I think it's like the sexiest thing when someone like asks if they can be like, I don't know. I it's, it's so empowering. Awesome. I was like, oh, I have power and you yeah. have power. Like we both do and we can use it yeah. to like create something great. And that was the real moment where I was like, oh, I have the permission. Like I have full safety to say no to things and full safety to say yes to things Mm. and it it like it freaking blew my mind it completely changed the way I my relationship with sex and at that point it hadn't yet like manifested into consent as this bigger thing but in terms of consent and sex that was definitely a thing I wrote him a thank you note like a year later (laughs) oh my god I love that I still have it but it's something that you like touched on really um like struck a chord with me this idea that like you know because you're like doing something with kids like you can't also be a sexual being is like so interesting to me like I feel like this happens a lot like I remember recently there was that whole like semi-recently there was that whole story about like there was I believe it was a teacher mm-hmm. who had like an OnlyFans and like and like got you know fired from her job because she had and like First of all, I think this is a really interesting because like if we're in this like, you know, supposedly majority like says hetero world, right? Like people are having sex to make like where do kids come from in the, you know, whatever people are think- like, right? Like they're coming from you having sex in this again, like fake world where like obviously kids can come from lots of different places but you know what i mean but then you're supposed to pretend that you don't have sex because you have kids or like, it's or if you have sex in the context <laughs> of a marriage to again a cis hetero person and it's very vanilla yeah and it's just like there i don't know there's so much like i think it's really interesting that like as a person who like like for me like as a person who works with kids or like as a person who like right like i have a podcast about like i'm very like a lot of the stuff i do in my life is centered around kids and it's like I also can't be like a sexual being because I do stuff around kids. Like, as long as I'm not doing yeah. this with the kids, like it's like I'm it's okay. Complete agreement, <laughs> and it so pressures weird. me so much. Oh there was God. I also one time was in a, a class and I heard there was someone who was did like back. Uh, was it called back page on Craigslist when that was a thing? And she got fired from her job as a teacher. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 
And like, that's, that's Mm -hmm. where this comes from. This like fear of like, I can't share this story that was actually so empowering that I wrote him a gratitude letter and like has started so much. This is the best best part. (laughs) He wrote back. He's like, I just got back from burning man, but I really needed this. Like I'll write back soon. I'm like, of course you just got back from burning man. Of course you did. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) I love that so much. But yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about this recently. It's just like this weird, weird, like, I don't know. It's just such a weird thing. Society is weird. Everything's made up. I'm going back to it. But anyway, so like, I'm I'm also curious, like, what led you to become a consent educator? Like, how did that happen? Oh, that was that happened. That was the slow process. Again, like that was years ago that experience with the burner we'll call him I don't want to reduce him to that also he was like one time on an episode of like days of our lives and was also a semi-professional soccer player I kid you not like this person who is this man I don't I don't don't know that does sound like a a made-up profile like he didn't have all those things in the profile otherwise I really wouldn't have believed him but like even reflecting back I'm like was he real and he was we have like like we're friends on Facebook like we have mutual friends in real life too like anyway so funny um so how did I come to learn about to teaching consent so I think it was I there was a few things the first thing is um I mentioned that I grew up um like modern orthodox Jewish and autonomy Mm -hmm. was always something that I wanted that I didn't feel like I was getting I didn't understand why someone Mm -hmm. else was setting the rules for me um as long Mm -hmm. as they did not you know violate the rights of others or weren't unethical um, so that, yeah. uh, that was something that I think primed me for this. The other thing I think that really primed me for this was my education in psychology. I was in a doctoral program and then left it because I was like, I love psychology, but I don't want to be a therapist. And that also like having that, that psychological mindedness when talking about communication or skill building is hugely important. And then again, that acro yoga piece of of like yeah and like it can be fun and empowering and like it really doesn't have to be about sex and it allows you to set your own boundaries and and again that Mm -hmm. part that I don't know is talked about enough and the word pleasure for some reason is very like weighted and has like implications but like truthfully (laughs) like in acro yoga like you can also ask for like hey I want to try this trick do you feel comfortable like doing this Mm -hmm. with me and that's And that's amazing because that's how things happen or in sexual relationships. Like, Hey, I want to explore this part of myself. Are you down for the ride? Like, you know, um, that was not supposed to be a euphemism, but Hey, (laughs) um, so it was kind of that combination of things. And I had this idea of an acro yoga workshop to teach consent and it kind of developed from there of acro yoga isn't, isn't accessible in like the big way accessible, but also isn't accessible just like, yeah. of, like maybe someone doesn't want to do it. Like it's not, it's yeah. not, it's just not the obvious totally. answer. And so I, I, but I still love the idea of like kind of making it like games and fun. And so I stuck to that model mm-hmm. and kind of started thinking about consent as these skills that you can learn through games and through mm-hmm. real world experiences. And that's kind of how it started. That's awesome. And I think I think it's true, like with any kind of learning, like, if it's fun, it's just like, easy, you know, like, you don't even realize that you're learning something. You know what I mean? This is why I didn't like history, because it was boring. If someone had like made it fun for me, maybe I would have liked history. I'm with you. 
this is me just being, you know, bitter about my like old white men history teachers who just talked at me. And it's true, especially, and I think that's, I mean, as someone with ADD, ADHD, whatever you want to call it, like, <laughs> I really understand what it's like to be in a classroom and to be have like information talked at you. And you're just like, yeah. where's my Ritalin? <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> Like, that's the experience. And I was like, no, like, I want it to be engaging and fun and movement and, like, base. Yeah. So, like, when we're talking about kids, like, when when do we – and, I mean, again, this is kind of – sometimes I ask these questions and I'm like, I kind of know what the answer is, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, but, like, you know, when do we start talking to kids about consent, right? I feel like a lot of times we wait until – like, first of all, I think a lot of times we talk about consent only in – the context of sex, uh, if we talk about it at all. Um, and so I feel like a lot of times we wait until we have, you know, the talk, which, you know, as listeners will know, should not be one sit down conversation, but many, mm-hmm. many conversations. Um, but I feel like, you know, if we do, or if we're talking about consent at all, it's in the context of sex. And it's in, you know, it's during that big talk that we have. And then it's just like, okay, bye. Um, and so I'm curious, like, when do you think we should start talking to kids about consent my favorite analogy for this is basketball because i think of like you know those like little tykes basketball hoops like i don't my my nephews were lucky enough to have one of those in their Mm -hmm. you know playroom when they were two years old so they started learning basketball at two now they weren't learning basketball but they were learning basketball they understood the idea of putting the ball through the net and passing it Mm -hmm. to someone and started playing around with these concepts and then slowly but surely their you know their skills build and you know one day they could go pro or something and it's the same thing with consent where you don't have to like teach them all about consent in Mm -hmm. when they're two years old but you teach what makes sense for their brains at that time so things like yes and no they understand that Mm -hmm. you don't need to tell them like a silence means no though like their their (laughs) two-year-old brain can't get that a four-year-old brain, <laughs> maybe, but impulse control isn't great, so it, it might not matter. <laughs> but you kind of like you again, you, you scaffold. You start with what are numbers? What is arithmetic? What's calculus? Eventually, yeah, maybe. absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, you really can calculus. start. <laughs> Lol, not for, not for this one. Yeah, so that's so that's what I'll say about consent. It'll it'll you'll build on it as as a child grows, as it becomes more developmentally appropriate books and you know I don't know any songs about consent but you can make up a song about consent like (laughs) you know those kinds of things it's how kids learn they don't need to understand the whole concept they don't need to be good at it just like your child doesn't need to be good at you know getting the little text ball into the Ooh. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes like so much sense. And it's just like in ways like I was talking before, it's a matter of like, like I'm with twins. So there are two children around all the time. And like, you know, even, even there'll, there'll be times where, you know, Nora will want to hug Arthur and I'll be like, you know, like, look at his body language. Do you think he likes being hugged right now? Like, did you ask him if you wanted to be hugged? Right. And like, they don't, you know, they're not <laughs> like, they're not great necessarily, or even, you know, old enough like developmentally to uh i think get the concept of like do you want to hug right but modeling that mm-hmm. it's eventually just like anything else right they weren't right i was teaching them numbers before they were able yeah. to count yeah. and then all of a sudden they were able to count it clicked right and it's consent anything is just the same way it's like if we model it and we are explaining it and expecting it then all of a sudden it's going to click, you know, 100%. Yeah, yeah, you count your babies like fingers and toes when they're like, 
two days old. All right. <laughs> Your child doesn't can't count. They can't understand it, but they're like it's passive learning in a lot of ways. It's modeling, yeah, yeah absolutely. Said it perfectly. Yeah, totally. So this is kind of a silly question, but like, why is it even important to teach kids about consent? Tell me. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna. So for this question, um, are you thinking like, why should we do it at all, or why should we do it when they're kids? Like, why should people know about consent or why should kids know about consent? I guess, like, why should kids know about consent, right? Because I think we think about it as this sort of, especially, again, it it often gets lumped into, like, this idea of, like, it's a sex-related thing only. And, like, so, therefore, why should we be teaching kids about it, I guess? So, like, why do kids even need to know about any kind of consent at all? Or, like, why is it relevant to them? I would say it's relevant because we can't define sex. Well, that's the first. Actually, I should say that's the first answer. So, the first – so – the first answer is like there there's like that old tiny idea of sex is like penis and vagina sex. Like that's what sex is. Mm-hmm. Anything else is sin or whatever, or, or is either <laughs> sin or is like, doesn't count depending on whose perspective you're taking. <laughs> if it's either the frat boy or like the Pope, like depends, you know, I know um, it's, it's so funny. It's, I like, feel like it's one way or the, it's like one way or the other where like everything is sex or like it doesn't count. Correct. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but like, obviously like that's not true. Like, like sex can be different. Like people define it differently. And so if you say you need consent for sex, well, that doesn't leave a child with a lot of information on when it's important to ask and when it isn't mm-hmm. because if they're kissing someone, well, they'll be like, that's not sex. Right. My mom yeah. kisses me. And it's, mm. you're right. You're hopefully not. That's hopefully not a sexual situation. And <laughs> but like, wh- how, when is a child supposed to know when they do or when they don't? And the answer is because it's not really about sex. It's about body yeah. autonomy in general. And so when you mm-hmm. make it about sex, you you put yourself in this like place where you also have to define sex, which is impossible to define. And you're completely missing the mark, which is it's about body autonomy in general. And yeah. people are not wrong that like, right, like the stakes are higher in sexual situations, however you define it. And like, you got to be a little bit more, I would say like vigilant, but it's still important elsewhere. And if you haven't practiced in those low stakes scenarios, mm-hmm. how in the world do you expect to perform in the high stakes scenarios? That's where the yeah, basketball that's metaphor. Was, that's what I was just thinking. Like if you, like you can't expect to just do something perfectly if you haven't practiced it, mm-hmm. especially you know, when it's a higher stakes situation. Right. And even if you know, and this is where I get talking about something, I don't know if anyone else talks about like specifically about consent skills, but I really try to break it down into skills of like, mm. you can know everything about basketball. You can know every statistics. You can know all the cool plays. If you have never been on the court before, you're not going to do well on your first like varsity basketball game. You're yeah, just not totally. because you need to actually have interacted with the skills mm-hmm. and seen like, where your weak spots are, where your strong spots are, get some feedback, reflect yourself, maybe have a coach help you through it. Um, it's not just enough to like in you know, sixth grade, if we're lucky, learn about what (laughs) consent is. It's actually about practicing and working out those kinks before the stakes are high. Totally. And I think also, like, even without, you know, I'm thinking of, like, obviously, like, when we talk about consent, like I've been saying, like, a lot of people immediately think about sex, or even when we're talking about, like, you know, it's like any kind of, like, bodily autonomy. Like, I, I think one of the moments, like, you were talking about that, kind of like aha moment where you were like oh like it can be like this that moment for me was actually when I 
had a gynecological exam with my doctor and my doctor talked through everything that they were going to do. Mm-hmm. Like as they were doing it, they're like, okay, I'm going to put my hand here. Okay. I'm going to do this. Okay. I'm going to do that. And I was like, whoa, like you're telling me what's going to happen to my body. And you're telling me that it's okay. Like to tell you if something doesn't feel good or to tell. Right. And like, I thought that was, that was like such a, like a shock to my system for me because I had never, like I had just, you know, had doctors who in any context were just like, well, I'm just going to touch your body and do things, you know, whether it was right. Like today I went to the doctor, they examined my knee. They just put their hands all over me. They're just like, well, I'm just going to do a bunch of stuff and tell me when it hurts. But like, you know, and so I thought that was so interesting. And like in so many, like another context of, of consent, like I hadn't thought of before. And so it's just like, it's it's anything right it's all it's any any time where you have this like bodily autonomy right and and so i think you know i think that we need to start thinking more like outside the box with consent for sure and i love that you brought up that example because that's such a a powerful example of like when power comes into consent too Mm -hmm. because with a doctor like they're the professional they're the expert you're in their space it's really hard unless they ask you and unless they set up an environment that says, Mm. I respect Mm -hmm. your boundaries. It's really super hard to be like, excuse me, I don't like that because they haven't invited you to say that. Yeah. I think about that a lot. Like I, um, for like, uh, physical therapy type reasons, I get massages sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I always think about that. Like I've had, you know, different massage therapists and like, I always, appreciate when a massage therapist is like tell me if I'm using too much pressure or if I'm using too little pressure right because I have 100% paid hundreds of dollars for massages and sat through and not liked what they were doing and not said anything because I didn't feel like I could yeah yeah and again it's about practice right yes it's about practice and it's also about if the doctor every time you know uh, asks you if you're okay and you know says what they're going to do beforehand and then one time they forget and it happens to be the time you're not comfortable you're going to be a lot yeah. more likely to speak up if past times, mm-hmm. you know, they've done it because we're not. And I like, I need to stress this too. Like we will make consent mistakes forever. You cannot yeah, be perfect course. at consent. You're going to forget your emotions of fear are going to override a situation, whatever it is. But if you've practiced it enough that you've built up that rapport with someone that says, I care about your boundaries and I respect yeah. your boundaries then they'll be able to kind of, it's easier for them to speak up when, you know, something slips your mind or, you know, you're not your best self, whatever it may be, if you've set up that environment ahead of time. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree with that. It's just like, once you have, like, I can think about like doctors or different people that like I have a rapport with where it's just like, oh, I can tell you about, you know, I can tell you if something doesn't feel good. And then doctors where I feel like, or therapists or whoever, where I feel like, I can't I like I don't have that space because that space was never like offered to me mm-hmm. like you were saying it's like a power dynamic too mm-hmm. there's a, like a lot of uh, power dynamics I feel like come into play with with consent and with parents and especially because kids are don't hold the power in the either yeah. parent-child relationship or the teacher-student relationship if if adults in their life aren't practicing consent mm. with them they're setting up that situation where it's like hey you have consent but not with authority And that's where you get into issues like child sexual abuse and which is not the area that I focus on, but that's like where it happens or even issues with like popularity is a power or like Mm -hmm. the guy is older than you or the woman is older than you, like whatever, whatever situation it is or the doctor is there and you kind of learn, 
oh, I can say no to someone, you know, for quickness of understanding, like lower than me or maybe equal with me. But if it's someone with more power than me, like they get to pick the rules. Yeah, I think that's so that's so important. And even see that like, so here in in Quebec, only in Quebec, they have this school school system where it goes, you're, you're right, you, you go through your well, it's not technically 12, but it's essentially like your K through 12 kind of deal. You go to, and, and after high school, that's the last, you know, mandatory education. But if you want to go to university in between university and high school, there's something called CEGEP. And CEGEP, I mean, roughly, we kind of just call it college here uh, in English. But basically, it's it's sort of like, for example, if I just wanted to learn a trade or if I wanted to like for me, if I if I decided I wanted to work in a daycare, I could go there and get like a certification to work in a daycare. So you kind of go uh, to get a certification or uh, to do sort of your pre-university learning like. Oh, it sounds like a gap year. Like we, I think we would call it like a gap yeah. year. Yeah, essentially, uh, it's sort of like, and also it's great because you get all your dumb stuff that you would do your first year of university, like drinking and doing dumb things. Um, but anyway, uh, my wife is currently, so she already has two BAs, and she went back to Sujep because she wanted to do a, um, a graphic design program. And so most of her classmates are like 17. She's a, she's 30. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting because like there was one time where the teacher did something that was not okay. And my wife like called the teacher out, not publicly, but like pri- privately went to the teacher and got into a whole fight with the teacher. We had to go to the Dean. It was like a whole thing. But anyway, all that to say that like, then the, the student who basically like the teacher had said something to a student. And my wife went to the teacher, like what you said to that student wasn't okay. Like it made me uncomfortable and like, it wasn't right for you to say that to that student. And the student like is friends with my wife and was just like, yeah, but like, I can't tell a teacher that they're doing something wrong because like they're 17 and they haven't like, you know, they haven't learned, right? Like my wife who has been through two BAs is like, oh, like teachers aren't always right, <laughs> you know? And like someone in authority isn't always right. And so like, I feel like th- this power, this like power dynamic is definitely like super, you know, prevalent. And like, it's, it's important to teach. Like, it's weird because I feel like, on the one hand, we have to teach kids that like, right, you have to respect your teacher, but also your teacher is a human being mm-hmm. and like is not always going to be right. And like if something makes you uncomfortable, like you can speak up about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, this comes up with any and I think this comes up also with like I, I would call them like in quotes, like experts in general mm-hmm. where um, like in, in sexual situations, this can happen if one person has never you know, engage in sexual activity with like their clothes off before and the other person has, the person who mm-hmm. has in, in a way is positioned, especially if they talk about it a lot, is position themselves as the expert and the one that's being the guide yeah. in what's happening next. But if you're not being responsible with that power, we call that abusive power. And like, if you're not using what you know to help the person make the right decision for them, yeah, I would call that abusive power and I think that happens that happens so much whether it's like the teacher like whether it's the parent saying like I know how much you your body needs to eat or oh uh, yeah yeah or like or someone you know in a sexual situation saying like trust me trust me we're we're set up to believe that and we're also set up and this is this is what scares me the most is we're not just I try to I really try to talk about like the I think it's really in quotes, like perpetrator side of things, like that's also mm-hmm. being modeled to people that the person in yeah. power gets to choose. So yep. not that it's excusable, but honestly, no wonder certain people in this world think that what they're doing is okay. I genuinely believe they don't think what they're doing is wrong yeah. because it was taught to them that this is 
how it works. If you have power, you get to make the decision and people are supposed to listen to you. And if they're not, that's their fault because we've modeled for them that that's how it works. And it drives me bonkers. So jumping back into like kids a little bit, like what do you feel like are, you know, some practical ways that we could teach kids about consent, you know, like boundary setting and also like how to handle rejection, you know, which is a part of that too. Right. Like, like it's all fun and games when I'm like, do you want to hug? Yes, I want to hug. Right. But when someone says no, like how to handle that? I think it really comes to dealing with like the, the social emotional aspect of all of these things, because Mm -hmm. I think it, it can be very clear on like, again, like the, the facts, like no means no. Yes means yes. Um, you have to ask for a hug first. Like that, that's all pretty, uh, with a few material, like with, with most consent info out there for kids, you can, you can get that. I think what the focus also needs to be though, is like, how do you feel when you ask someone? Like, is it hard? What are you nervous about if you ask someone? Or what do you, how, like, what are you nervous about when it comes to like, or like, how do you feel when it comes to answering someone and kind of doing mindfulness around these issues or how might it feel to be rejected? So I think that's one really important piece. And then the other important piece is to make sure that you understand consent and boundary setting and handling rejection yourself. Because <laughs> it's really hard to teach something that you don't know. That's fair. <laughs> um, and I think people forget about that piece. And I mean that, and, I, and it's kind of like, it is kind of funny, but like, I mean it very seriously in that, like, yeah. my consent education came from a burner in Bushwick and some acrobatic <laughs> classes. Like, I happened upon it. And then I did like my own research from there. But there are still mm-hmm. so many people out there who are piecing little bits together from a lot of the time like things that they read on Instagram or Twitter um and don't necessarily have a full understanding of it so I I think that's really important and that's where you get the more like oh how do you with like what does it mean to withdraw consent and you can always say no and things like that and then it's the helping kids like coaching through coaching them through the problem solving because and again like a lot of the times in consent they're in the most simple terms there is like one right answer but like there isn't always like if someone says no Mm -hmm. you can say okay or you can offer them a different Mm -hmm. kind of touch or you can have a conversation about how they're feeling and do something else like there are so many options and to just set it as a script that's ask so you say no they say no you say thank you or like ask they say yes you say okay like that's not that's not realistic so I think it's really about coaching them through certain situations that's totally true and that's what I what I always do with the kids and I try to like model too with the adults sometimes because I think like I think a lot of us grew up with this like I mean I grew up like this where it was like you have to kiss grandma goodbye Mm -hmm. right and I didn't want to kiss grandma goodbye like I didn't like that and I think a lot of us grew up with those those kinds of things modeled where it was just like you don't have any power in the situation you have to do it and I always like to so so I think sometimes parents like like, for example, the kids that I nanny, there was a situation recently where one of them wanted, like, well, the parent was like, oh, give me a hug. And the parent and the kid didn't want to. And the parent, like, kind of got offended about it. And I was like, okay, but, like, maybe they just don't. I was like, oh, can you maybe give Papa a friendly wave instead? Or, like, you know, like, blow him a kiss. Like, there are so many other things. A high five, right? And so, like, I always offer options. And, like, maybe it's none of those things. Like, that's okay, too. But, like, I think we, especially with, like, around the, like, hugging and kissing thing, I'm always, like, just offer options. Just, like, 
a friendly wave, a high five, uh, blow a kiss, give a wink. I don't know. It could really be anything. Do a dance with them. Whatever you feel like doing. And maybe that, like I said, like you also have to be as an adult. I mean, and as a kid, right? I, I always, I call it like respecting the no, where it's just like, if someone says no, like, we have to respect that, right? That's their choice. Yeah. But I think sometimes as adults, we get like, take it personally and like, we can't. <laughs> yeah. 100%. And one of the things I'll also say, like in terms of practical tips uh, is ahead of time, tell the people who you're going to, who your child is going to be interacting with, tell them ahead mm-hmm. of time what the expectations are. Because yeah. I completely understand if I was always used to getting a hug from my grandkid and then one day I ask for a hug I say, please, please, please. And then my child says, you can't, you can't talk to my kid like that. I would get defensive (laughs) because I'm like, excuse me, like what is happening here? But if my, in the scenario, my grand, I'm a grandma (laughs) scenario, if (laughs) if, like my child calls me up and says, Hey, we're practicing consent. This is why it's important. Can you please help us do this? We want you on board. What questions do you have when, for when we come over today or in general, then they're a lot there it's a lot more likely that they'll be receptive and really be able to create like that consent culture nobody wants to be caught off guard by something like mm-hmm. that you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it can be like a shock if it's just like totally random right and it's harder um, was- i think it's harder for the person setting the boundary to do it in the moment yeah. also cuz you're like i don't want to offend them whereas if you call them ahead of time it's like you've set aside time to talk about this specific thing. And then also the kid isn't in the middle of it. Yeah, because then the kid's like, oh, fine, I'll just hug them. I don't want anyone to feel bad. I feel like especially as someone who is socialized female, like there is this idea of like people pleasing that often, you know, and I think, you know, we we talk about this a lot when we talk about like rape culture as far as like, you know, not saying like I remember <laughs> being on a, a date with this guy when I was, I was living in, I studied abroad in Italy and I was on a date with this guy and like, my mom was like, whatever you do, do not go up to his apartment. And he totally talked me into going to his apartment because I didn't want to offend him. Like, and I was like, this is, was, that was super dangerous. Like I could have been murdered. Like, I don't know. Like, and luckily I was not murdered spoilers, you know, and everything turned out okay. But like so many bad things could have happened because I didn't want to offend a man that I had just met. Right. And, and so I think that like as kids too, like kids internalize that and like, also like it's about modeling, right? If they're seeing us doing that, then like, you know, then they're going to do that. And I, I think that like, that's definitely something to break down and like not guilt kids into doing things. So yucky. Absolutely <laughs> right. Your, your emotions are your responsibility actually. Like if yeah. me saying no offends you, you have, you have that's on you. to work on. Yeah. <laughs> go to therapy work on it yeah i i feel like i get i see this question a lot like on facebook groups and things like that where like how do we balance like giving giving kids bodily autonomy but then being like but you have to do this with your body right you have to brush your teeth you have to take a bath you have to do and a lot of these are like health related things but or like you know hygiene related things but like i think about a lot of things where it's like okay you have a say over your body but like not in this case and like how do we balance like explaining that to kids i would say you don't actually have to explain it to kids most of the time and what i mean by that is that like okay so, um, mo- this story I have shared, um, every <laughs> people who know me may or may have heard in the past that like, I did not brush my teeth for like the majority of my childhood. Like I would lie about it. I would li- lie through my teeth. Yep. Me neither. And, 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 and it wasn't that I 
I mean, a little bit it was that I didn't understand dental hygiene because like no child has the capacity to think that far into the future in that way. <laughs> but like, but it was also mostly, again, ADD, like I was bored. It wasn't like, why yeah. would I brush my teeth when I could be doing something else instead? And it's, it's just something of like the root of the problem isn't that I didn't understand that dental hygiene was important. My mom could have talked till she was red in the face about that, but it wasn't, it wasn't about that. It was about that. Like, no matter how much you talked about it, I, my body did not want to do that. And so it was like, it was like, how do we broaden the picture? Like, how do we broaden the scope of the problem to see what it's actually about? So there the solution would be like, maybe she just literally not needed to stand over me to make sure I did it but to hang out with me while I did it so that yeah. I had someone to talk to or someone to tell me a story or something. Um, and when it comes mm. to things like, right, like taking a bath, why don't they like to take a bath? Figuring out the root of the problem instead of being like, you have to. Yes. And I love it because it's yeah. because at the end of the day, it's problem solving because like you have to mm. at some point isn't going to hold for a lot of people. Yeah. Again, like that's where yeah. like my, me and my autonomy come in. Like the, yeah, like it's, you have to have like um, some structures in place and you can either have it be fear that you're gonna, your teeth are going to look like this and show them a picture of like yeah. rotting teeth with <laughs> gingivitis and you can scare people into it. But like, do you really want like to fear, like shame base your child into doing things or do you want to empower them by being like, Hey, this is important. There are also some struggles and you know what? It might be that there are one or two months while while you're figuring it out that your child isn't brushing their teeth. But that is a whole lot less than the 10 years they're going to be, A, lying to you, so they're setting up a framework of lying, (laughs) and B, like, not brushing their teeth. Whereas, like, if you show them that, like, hey, there's a problem and we're not going to, like, fear our way around it or, like, shame our way around it, we're going to deal with it and, like, we're going to work through it together, that's, like, that's teaching them collaboration and not, like, dictatorship. Now, there will be times where, like, you can't, like, with a car seat. Like, I am not advocating for you to just let them sit without a car seat until you figure it out. Like, no. Like, you do need to set boundaries, 100%. Yeah. But, like, I do think, again, not a dentist here, but, like, I do think that not brushing your teeth for two months is worth that playing around with it. Car seat, non-negotiable. But, again, it's not you have to be in the car seat. It's 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 my boundary as a parent. It's I can't let you be in this car unsafely. And so I have to put you in this car seat. So it's very clear that it's, that it's, I'm setting my boundary and it does have to do with them, but it's, Mm. it's, it has a different feel to it as opposed to, I tell you what you have to do. It's here's what I have to do. Yeah. Even like, like for me, I'm thinking about diaper changes. Like one of the twins really hates diaper changes. Mm. And so what I, what I always say is just like, Hey, like I know that like right now, maybe this doesn't feel good, but like, it would feel it's gonna feel a lot more not good if you have like a yucky diaper all day right it's like something that we need to do to like be healthy and like be I want you to be comfortable like this is about you like (laughs) uh, you know what I mean and uh you know I feel like it's also different with like younger kids like very young kids yeah um uh as opposed to like if they were four or so yeah although i hope they'll be out of diapers by the time they're four but i don't know potty training hasn't been going well so what do i know so before we sort of wrap things up i'm just curious i know obviously you've given us lots of advice um but if you could sort of give like one important you know piece of advice parting words for grown-ups about how you know how to have these kinds of conversations with kids about consent what would it be i would go 
back to the metaphor about like, or kind of the similarity I talked in the beginning about how sometimes I think about consent, like I think about conflict, like there's no, there's no necessarily like right path to, mm-hmm. to do conflict. And no, I think everyone in the world agrees that like they are going to mess up in conflict at some point in their life and they're going to raise their voice mm-hmm. or they're going to gaslight or they're going to do something when they're not being their best self. And that's the same thing with consent. And so it's, so important that that is that it's not taught as consent is this scary thing and you have to do it right all the time yes no um it's very much like a it's a practice it's a how we want to relate to each other that's how that's how it should be introduced for kids so they get comfortable with it obviously like i would change that framing once it becomes like more sexual like yes you will still mess up but i have more things to say about it <laughs> um, but but when it comes to kids it's really understanding of, of like oops I forgot to ask whoopsies like now how do I yeah. make it better now and kind of playing in those mistakes and also realizing that it's so important to model those mistakes and model accountability because that is a huge part of consent too um I'm thinking about like restorative justice work and how it's not about like mm-hmm. it's it's sometimes in, and in a very small way right with like kissing a kid on the forehead without asking it's not, you know, it's not a big deal and gaslighting them like that, but rather saying, I made a mistake, like owning up to it and taking accountability is huge. I think that's so important as adults to be able to say, and we talked a little bit about this on the puberty episode of like, if you just kind of right if you're in a moment and you blurt out something or whatever like you say something you can go back and be like you know what that thing I did it wasn't great and like I'm sorry and like I want to like you know here's what I would have liked to say in that moment or would have liked to do right and like I think that's 100% like okay and it's important to be vulnerable with your kids and let them know that like you're a human person and like it's okay to make mistakes because like how are they going to know you're if you're saying oh it's okay to make mistakes but you're not modeling that it's the same with everything right like we need to be modeling the things that we want our kids to do. As we wrap up, I'm just curious if you have any like resources, you know, about consent for, you know, kids, adults, aside from your own work, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Yeah, when it comes to teaching consent to kids, well, uh, well, first, I would say the basis of any consent education with kids um, must also include sexual abuse prevention. And that is not Mm -hmm. something I do. Um, but I know, um, but my favorite resource for that is her name is Rosalia Rivera. She's at consentparenting.com or at consentparenting on Instagram. There's another organization that I'm thinking of. It's Stewards for Something. Stewards for Hope. I might be getting that wrong. Um, but they also do sexual abuse prevention. So that's something that's important mm-hmm. for people to know. In terms of consent in general, there are so many great books. Um, recently I got this book called like, don't hug Doug. There's yeah, a book. I heard about that one. I heard mm-hmm. good things. Yeah. It's so cute. Reese no kisses is like, I don't know how to pronounce it exactly, but it's like Reese no kisses, but I think it's supposed to like rhyme. Uh, Janine Sanders spelled J A Y N E E N. She hopefully is going to be our next guest <gasps> on this episode, but she has she got back to me initially, and then I haven't heard back from her in a couple of days, so I'm crossing my fingers. That's hilarious. Yeah, she has a bunch of books out there, so that's what I would say in terms of of resources for for little kids. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of really good stuff. There's also a lot of bad stuff. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I think that, that 
Janine Sanders stuff is is generally is generally really good. And there's uh there's also there's there's like some cute there's even some cute board books like there's like C's for consent. It's like a cute mm-hmm. little board book. Yeah. Um, like even for again for like young young kids, there's like stuff for all ages. Um, so definitely, I feel like I feel like that's also I love books as a way to like foster conversations and like start conversations about stuff. And of course, there's ones like C's for consent. It's like very on the nose, but there's also like stories about that, right? Like there are plenty of stories that also like have a narrative, and then you can be like, hey, like you know, ask questions about it, or be like, you know, that person did this, and like how you know how do you feel about that or whatever. Yeah, um, or even or even tv shows because there are mm-hmm. so many tv shows where like people are interacting so there could be hugs there could be kisses and if you preface the tv show with like right like you get extra screen time like i want like i want to <laughs> talk about but like seriously like i want to talk about That's consent so like let's watch this show together and then so that's you're not true. being annoying by interrupting like that's kind of part of the deal ahead of time and then you can talk about it or maybe <laughs> not interrupt the show that. during but afterwards you know talk yeah. about it and rewind and go back to it and and have conversations there again it depends how old they are books are probably better for younger ones but as they start getting older tv shows are great for teens movies are incredible for that yeah i love that and i love also like i mean i i guess like it would depend on the kid and like i'm sure there are kids who'd be like stop pausing my show to teach me things but like also especially with younger kids like they're i feel like they're less you know uh likely to be mad about it but i i like the idea of like pausing things and being like hey like let's take a look at that like what just happened right and it's not every single second of the show but like you know i think that we forget sometimes that we have the power to do that or in books too we can pause and be like hmm like that thing just happened like how do we feel about that i was gonna say the perspective taking is so important in that because remember like when as opposed to like just boundary setting like boundary setting is one person setting a boundary it's really about like the boundary setter whereas consent is it it really requires two people and it's ideal form and so it's not just Mm -hmm. about like the ask and the answer it's about like the interaction during and it's about if there was a rejection how the person handling rejection feels how the person who gave the rejection feels like fostering Mm -hmm. empathy around all of those roles because presumably at some point in our lives we're all going to have these different roles and kind of preparing for those situations this is like a great way to prepare for those situations yeah absolutely so before we go, uh, I would love if you could tell us a little bit more about your your stuff that you're working on. And uh, also, where can people find you if you would like to be found on the internet? You can find me at Comprehensive Consent on Instagram um, or ComprehensiveConsent.com. I currently have a boundary setting boot camp. Just I need Ooh. to change the name. It's a little bit of a misnomer. It's really it really needs to be called like consent skills for kids. Um, it's it's um, very much a it's lessons for parents to do with their child, but it's very much based in mindfulness and activities and in like mm. I mean if you see my like anyone listening to this can I hope maybe like get a vibe for my personality. Like I'm fun. <laughs> I like fun things. Um, so it's very much like learning it's learning these things together so when I was talking before about like sometimes you didn't have a consent education that's why I sometimes like to encourage parents teaching it themselves too because it kind of gives them that elementary education that we all could use um and also allows for richer conversations because you know what your child is learning and you're experiencing it with them especially for anyone who's been spending 
um, more time at home these days, although maybe mm-hmm. not so much anymore. So that's that's my that's currently what's out there. But I also do talks um, at schools for PTAs, um, and you can reach out to me if that sounds like something interesting to you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's been so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> Hey folks, thanks for joining us for another episode of Rad Child Podcast. Did I almost forget the name of my podcast? Yes, it is 5am and I'm a tired, tired human. So it's basically just the regular stuff today. So I want to give a shout out, of course, to the Upford Network, which is the podcasting network we're a part of. It's a local Montreal podcasting network full of great, great humans and great, great shows. So definitely check that out at www.upfordnetwork.com. And also we currently, as I've mentioned, have an Indiegogo campaign going on. We're trying to raise some money to get a new computer. Um, This computer is the one that this podcast is edited on uh, and is currently dying. So we are looking to get a new one and some new equipment as well. Uh, The equipment um, is going to be, that we currently have, is going to be donated to a local youth center, which is really awesome. We're excited about that. So yeah, so definitely uh, check that out. And you can do that by going to uh, the link that I'm going to drop in the show notes or you can go to Indiegogo and just search Upford Network. And of course, if you would like to get some awesome children's books, you can do so by going to www.akidsbookabout.com. Uh, and if you'd like a discount on those awesome children's books, you can do so by using the code 2021RADCHILD. Yeah, and then it's just, you know, the where to find us and all that good stuff. So uh, if you haven't found us yet, which I'm assuming you probably have because you're here, uh, you can go to www.radchildpodcast.com to find out more info stuff like that uh you can also follow us on social media at rad child podcast on facebook instagram and twitter to be totally honest with you i'm the best at facebook uh so if you want the most up-to-date information and you're on facebook definitely check there i'm the worst at twitter so don't follow me there i mean you can please follow us uh but you're gonna get probably the least information to be totally honest with you what else Oh, if you would like to be a guest, again, you can go to www.radchildpodcast.com. This is also true if you just want to contact us. Uh, You can go to the contact us section and uh, there you'll find out information about how to be a guest and also how to contact us. Uh, There's a little form you can fill out. If you uh, would rather just straight up email us, you can do so by emailing radchildpodcast at gmail.com. Basically, anywhere you go, it's just going to be radchildpodcast. I tried to make it very simple. And yeah, I think that's about it. Um, Oh, no, I'm alive. The last thing is that, uh, can you tell that I'm doing this without having taken notes today? I'm all over the place. The last thing is that uh, if you would like to support us uh, with a monthly donation, you can do so by going to patreon.com and searching for Rad Child Podcast. Uh, and there, like I said, you can make a monthly donation for as little as a dollar a month, which, and you still, you get rewards for a dollar a month. Like that's $12 a year. That's wild, guys. Um, you can get things like bloopers. You can get things like uh, care packages. We have something called Seth's Picks, which is where several times a year, depending on what tier you are, uh, I send you like awesome things like kids books, toys, um, just things that I think are like really cool books for adults about parenting or child rearing, you know, things like that. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of really fun rewards. Definitely, definitely check that out. And you can do that by going to patreon.com and searching for Rad Child Podcast. All right, I think that's it for me. I'm going to hand it over to Rebecca and Crystal and we'll get back to the second half of the show. Do you wish more picture books truly reflected your family's values? Have you ever thought you found the perfect book, but when you got it home, it completely missed the mark? 
Shift Book Box is a picture book subscription service for kids ages 3 to 8, built around themes of social justice and centering diverse characters and creators. Each box features two beautiful picture books as well as expertly crafted discussion guides. We know that families want to engage kids in conversations about social justice topics, and we recognize how challenging it can be to find the right books and to feel supported in having these conversations. We find the books... We provide the prompts. You get both delivered to your door. Subscribe today at shiftbookbox.com and use the code RADCHILD. RADCHILD. All one word. RADCHILD. RADCHILD. For 10% off your first order. Shift Bookbox. Curating little libraries. Cultivating big change. All right. Welcome back, folks. I'm here with our second guest of the day, who I'm going to invite to introduce themselves. Um, So uh, we're just going to do our name, pronouns, where you're from, your relationship with kids, and your relationship with the theme of consent. Okay. So my name is Janine Sanders. My pronouns are she and her. Um, I'm Australian, as you can probably tell by my accent. (laughs) Gives me away every time. I live outside Melbourne in Australia. I live um, Mm. with my family on uh, 27 acres and I've always kind of worked from home, which has been really lovely as we were raising our children as well. Uh, I have three daughters and um, they all left home and live in the city. So my relationship with children, okay, so um, I'm actually an early years teacher, but I haven't taught for a couple of years now. And of course, I've got my husband and I have three, our three daughters as well. So we've <laughs> always shared the child rearing that uh, we are a very uh, gender inclusive family and um, there are no roles between us. And so, yeah, I've been mm-hmm. a teacher for a long time now, so a very long time, but I always say good teaching doesn't really change like we have all different styles of teaching now but I think creative teaching listening to children Mm. being empathetic telling them they matter and understanding them doesn't change over the years yeah absolutely yeah so I do love kids hence why um I find writing books is the best medium for me to reach a lot of children with the messages that I want Mm. them to have I only write books when I've got something to say <laughs> for kids <laughs> to empower them. So that's um, that's really great. So I can reach a lot of kids that way. Now, the relationship with the theme which we're talking about, which is consent and body safety. Now, that came in for me probably about 10 years ago now. Um, I was talking to my neighbour and she's an older woman. She's in her 80s. But... Um, she was telling me one day that she was actually sexually abused by her father when she was a young girl Mm. and he said to her that he was teaching her to be a good wife and then she Mm. was sexually abused by uh, then her son and her daughter were abused by her partner from as for as long as they can remember so my gosh yeah it's a very traumatic story and I hope that's not triggering for anyone. But no, no. I always I made a note to put a content warning. <laughs> okay, great. Thanks. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when we we got chatting about this, and she was very open with me because I am not a survivor mm. of sexual abuse, but I do feel that we need to give children more of a voice, and I'm not afraid of the topic. So um, mm-hmm. 
I decided that um, I would go, I was on the parents' school council at school for my children Mm -hmm. and I thought, look, I'll go to them and I'll say, you know, we should be doing more teaching um, what I called at that time sexual abuse prevention education, which I now call body safety because it's far more palatable for parents and educators. Yes. And it doesn't involve sex, so therefore it's, you know, it's misnomer really. So anyway, we... Mm -hmm. um, I went to school council. I said, oh, let's teach these kids these empowering skills for body safety. And I was constantly um, put on the end of the agenda and nobody really wanted mm. to hear this at all. Because well, nobody, you don't, people don't want to think about it. No. Right. No, no, they um, don't. Which is like not, not a good uh, way to prevent, <laughs> prevent, prevent it. it, is to not talk about it no, at all. Yeah, you've right. got to look oh it straight gosh. in the eye. And as parents yeah. and teachers, you know, as adults, we can't put our fear of this topic in the way of protecting children because it is our fear of the topic. We know one in five girls and one in eight boys will be sexually abused before they're 18 and that 95% of them will know their perpetrator. So, you know, mm. they're in our homes, they're in our communities, they're around us. So anyway, I went yeah. to the school council and they did that. So I said to my partner, you know, I'm going to use my writing skills because I also write children's readers under the name Jay Dale and I write for a literacy program called Engage Literacy, which is published by Capstone in the US and Canada, I think. So anyway, I thought I'll use my writing skills and I'll write a book that is uh, opens up this topic and helps kids understand the topic. So that was the first book in this space uh, called Some Secrets Should Never Be Kept. So this particular book, I thought about it a lot, but I did kind of write, it did come kind of instantaneously to me in a way because I wrote it in a fairy tale setting. So it's about a brave little mm. knight. And I felt that fairy tales last forever they don't they don't become outdated and also mm. children identify with the little boy but it is happening kind of in a faraway land so if mm-hmm. if a child was being sexually sexually abused it was sort of happening to this other little boy um in this sort of mm-hmm. fairy tale land whereas children who have never been sexually abused this book is just like any other story they they just think oh mm. wow you know they have a lot of empathy for the little boy, but for children who have been sexually abused, we often do get disclosures from this particular book. That that kind of happened and what I decided then was once I had written that book, I thought, well, we'll need to get a publisher for that book and I'm in publishing so <laughs> I'm sure to find a publisher, but uh, nobody wanted to publish it. Yep, So then right. my husband and I decided that it would be... It was such an important book. We took out a loan so that we could publish it ourselves and we went to three different illustrators before we finally got an illustrator, Craig Smith, who said he really loved this book and felt very passionate about this book and one of the best things he's done. And that's what you want with an illustrator, you know. You want someone who feels passionate. It it was really special. So that was about 10 years ago but um, and that book has been... Oh, I don't know how many languages now and maybe 10 or 12 different languages. And Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and, and it's used by um, a government organisation in New South Wales. When they take it out with social workers 
to different mm-hmm. kids in foster homes or wherever and they when they're worried about children who they think may be being sexually abused so they mm-hmm. actually uh, use it to help them disclose so that's that's, that's really awesome great. That it's being used in that way. Yeah, yeah. So then from there, just the rest of the story is that I thought, okay, as an educator, I can't just write a book. I need to do lesson plans around it. I need to Mm -hmm. introduce the book. I need to uh, reinforce the book with kids. So we built a whole lot of lesson plans around that book. And then the rest of the book started to grow from there because, like I said to you, once I've got something I want to say, I put it into a children's (laughs) book. (laughs) <laughs> I love I love that I th- and I think that's like that's so important because we in my um in addition to these types of episodes I do like book review episodes right. um so like after this episode we'll do an episode with my I do it with my co-host Rebecca um and we talk a lot about how sometimes <laughs> well-meaningly everybody feels like they have a children's book inside of them to write and like (laughs) they're just writing a book to write a book you know and like Mm. not everyone's a writer I mean in the same way that like Mm. you could be really good at something but maybe you're not an educator right like Mm. you you know you can't communicate that thing uh in that way um but I feel like that's so important to like not just be writing a book to write a book right to have Mm. something to say um and Mm. to use that as an outlet to say the thing you have to say um because I think sometimes you know um authors feel like Oh, I've written one good book. Now I have to write another mm. one. And I'm like, well, if you don't have anything to say, don't write a book. Exactly. <laughs> it's okay. We're not going to be mad at you. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, it's. I mean, it's a medium. Yeah. Children are visual, often very much visual learners. So it's a perfect mm-hmm. a medium for parents and teachers to talk about tricky topics. And so, yeah. you know, writing a book, it has to have meaning. Like I don't write books about, you know, a rabbit or something like that I I write a book about that you know where I want to give kids and adults in a way a message there, I was going through the uh, bookshelf of uh, the kids that I nanny I was just like this is how I channel my anxiety I was like having anxiety one day and I was like I'm gonna just go through the bookshelf and do a purge and um I went through and you know took out books that were too young for them and books that I felt were like problematic or mm-hmm. you know just they had been donated or like given a lot of books by whoever you mm-hmm. know was just like oh you have a kid here's some books for my kid right and mm-hmm. so they had outgrown a lot or whatever and I wanted to get them some good ones and as I was going through I was looking at all have the books and I was just like what is the point of this book mm-hmm. like it's just like it's a hippopotamus with a belly button and I'm just like I don't this mm-hmm. is like not to say that there's no room for silly books mm. there's definitely room for silly books and kids love silly books um but some books i'm just like why why does this book exist i'm a big purpose in books person <laughs> and i think you know for a lot of for some kids you know they like a variety and you know they like to hear yeah. about other kids trying really hard or showing kindness and empathy or or they like a silly book like you said but um they certainly need books where we're talking more in that area of social emotional intelligence and um, mm-hmm. gender equality. Absolutely, you know that starts at the very beginning. We have to have books that are more, yeah. you know, like I remember one of my books is called Pearl Fair, where the pirate captain. Because I was taught, I was teaching a little group of kids, and um, I just couldn't find a book about a girl pirate, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yep. let us think about that. So I decided that um, 
you know, we definitely needed to do some work in the gender equality space. You know, and diversity in children's books, lots of different diversity and different types of kids with different racial backgrounds. So I'm very, very conscious of that in the work I do. Like mm-hmm. I pick the illustrators to match my text. I decide the characters and the racial mix mm. and the gender mix. And I have a book called Who Am I, I Am Me, which is a gender-neutral child called Frankie. And basically Frankie does all these kinds of different things. And then in the end we say, you know, Frankie says, you know, lots about me, like am I a girl, am I a boy, who am I, and it just I am me. Simple as that. Mm. Just, you know, not putting pe- labels on people, not genderizing people and... um just letting kids be who they are. We don't want them into boxes. Yeah, I, th- I think that's so important. Even in even in books where, uh, you know, it will be a kid who maybe the illustrator intended to be a girl or a boy. If that kid doesn't have pronouns, mm. I will use they, them pronouns. If there's a kid in the background, I'll be like, hey, look at that kid. They have a cool dress on, right? Yes. Or whatever. Like, I will not gender, you know. So even, mm. like, taking it further, like, we don't w- – yes, it's awesome – like, I love that concept, and I think it's, like, we need books where there are explicitly characters that are, you know, on purpose, right? Mm. We don't use pronouns or we're not gendering them or, or whatever. But I think it's also important, like, to remember that we can just use that in regular life, too. If we see someone on the street, I'll be like, hey, look at that person. Mm. They have a cool, they have cool hair, right? Yeah. I don't need to say he or she, like, unless I know, right? Unless I know them and I know their pronouns. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway. And it's funny how people assume, like, I have another book called You, Me, and Empathy, which has a little um, child in it, and everyone assumes that the child is a boy, but I never said that. Mm. I never, ever said that, even in the discussion questions, you know, I don't have that. So why do they assume that the child is a boy? I don't know. As a trans person, like I feel really strongly about like the other day and I never get offended when when kids okay, when adults ask if I'm a boy or a girl, I get offended because mm. I'm like, You're a stranger, you don't need to know what my gender yeah. is. But when kids ask, I'm never offended because they're just curious. Exactly. They're just like, Oh, I've never like and I could tell the other day we were waiting, I was on with the kids and we were waiting online for ice cream. And there was this little kid in front of us and I could tell they were like doing the scan. They were like, Okay, they have a ponytail, but they have like a beard, but mm-hmm. they have nail polish. And they were like trying to like put all the pieces together yeah. of my presentation. And then they finally asked me like, are you a boy or a girl? Mm-hmm. And the mother immediately was like, he's a man. And I was like, oh, that's actually a really good question. It's really mm-hmm. good to not assume people. Like I'm always like, it's really good to not assume people's genders, right? Mm-hmm. I have sort of this mm-hmm. answer that I always give. But, you know, the parents, I feel like instinct is to always be like, oh, they're this. Or like, mm-hmm. shh, shh, don't say that. That's mm-hmm. rude. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's not rude. No, and we've got a long way to go. Like, you know, we do, like I said, you asked me a question about one of my books, why I say Mm -hmm. boys have a um, penis and testicles in the bottom and girls have uh, a vagina and a vulva, et cetera. And I did, I, I went back to some educators myself and asked them because they'd had the same thing happen and I talked to gender collectors. Um, I didn't talk to gender collect, but a friend of mine did and, and they were sort of like when they're little, be you know, say maybe eight and below, that it, it really is kind of more black and white for them right then and that the question mm-hmm. will come up, well, um, if you say some children have a penis, some children have a vagina, they'll say, well, what do I have? And then it's mm. it is it's kind of like um, it's a tricky situation. It's it's okay. really tricky. So I got some instruction on that, and they were saying eight and below, 
to label a boy and a girl. Um, so I still think we've got a long way to go, but you certainly got me thinking um, about that as well, which was great. <laughs> Even at 61, I can yeah, be keep thinking about all this stuff. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> my, my daughter told me that, no, my daughter's friend told me the other day that I was woke. <laughs> but there you go. That's good. Is I, that good? There you go. Yes, that's a good thing. That means you're like up on the um, kind of like social justice things and these kinds of like gender things, you yeah. know, this kind of stuff. Like, you know, you know what's going on. Yeah, I do. That's I good. do. And I'm, I'm very open to everything. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yes, that's a good compliment. Oh, good. <laughs> Wonderful. So, I mean, we've already been chatting quite a bit, but I always, I have the same question that I ask every episode, mm. um, every guest, uh, just because we talk a lot about these kinds of like, tricky topics and like questions that kids might come to us with that kind of catch us off guard. So I'm curious if a kid has ever asked you a question that sort of caught you off guard or you like weren't prepared to answer. Oh, golly. I, I've been thinking about this a lot. <laughs> and I don't think I've got anything specific because I'm the kind of educator who will work out to, I will, like you, mm -hmm. I don't mind any questions about anything at all. So I don't know that I certainly I would always be prepared to answer the question as the best that I could. Mm. But a funny question. I don't I don't think I've ever been I tried and tried to think about it and I don't think there's anything that I ever <laughs> haven't answered or was really strange. No. <laughs> so I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I don't think I, I <laughs> It's have okay. Anything. It's funny sometimes Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is all the time. <laughs> like, yeah, no. It's okay. I don't really have, um, you know, the kids are usually just fairly straight with me. And, um, <laughs> and you know, certainly in any classroom that I've ever taught, we would always be saying things, you know, like I know they always came out of my classes going he or she or, you know, always <laughs> sort of not assuming the bird was a she or the bear was a he in the book. and. Mm -hmm. And so they'd go home to their parents going, he or she. <laughs> well, you know, I think that's so interesting because I find like I catch myself doing this where we like if we don't know, like let's say I see a pigeon on the street, I'll be like, oh, what's, what's he doing? And like we gender everything male. Mm, we do. And it's really interesting. Like I always make an effort to try and like, like when I sing old, uh, old McDonald's, I use she, her pronouns. Yes. Um, <laughs> or yeah, like, I like to sort around. of, you know. Yeah, like, or if I, you know, if I see an animal, I'm like, I should use they. I don't, I don't mm. think this animal has a concept of gender or pronouns, no. right? Like, <laughs> no, and and I mean, what, um. <laughs> you know, we we keep doing that all the time, and teachers mm -hmm. are the worst. I'm sorry, teachers listening, but you know, <laughs> but once you point it out to them, uh, once you say like, you know, you're telling boys to line up there and girls to line up there, or you're you're telling the boys to go out and clean the bins or something and the girls to clean the board inside or the kitchen area and you know once you point it out and go oh my god I am I'm genderizing everything and then yep. we we actually do because you know they're with kids six hours a day and if they're constantly doing that you know putting all the girls over there on the pink rack and all the boys over there then you know they're society is staying much the same as it is which is not what we want mm. you know we want to see change. yeah absolutely we want to see inclusiveness well said <laughs> so i'm curious sort of how you 
would explain the idea of consent in kind of kid-friendly terms. A kid was like, a kid ran up to you and was like, what is consent? (laughs) What would your answer be? (laughs) My answer would be um, consent is a very important word. That's what I would say. It'll be one of the most important words you ever learn. And it means that um, people have to ask if they want to come into your personal space, your what we call your body boundary, and that nobody can come inside that body boundary without asking for your permission or asking for your consent. Yeah, that would be how I would begin. Um, and we do. We outline in my books, I outline that everybody has a body boundary um, and that mm-hmm. that is your own personal space and it is invisible but it's still there and um, people mm-hmm. just can't take from you or take, um, you know, hugs and kisses or touch you or mm-hmm. come into your personal space without asking for your permission, which is your consent. So I guess that is the best way that I, I can explain it. Yeah, I love that. And I love the idea of a body boundary. Mm. Um and the idea of like just because you can't see something doesn't mean it's not real, exactly. right? Um, exactly. Like it's very real. And I think there are some adults who could learn about body boundaries. They could. <laughs> Even. You know, they absolutely could. Oh you know, gosh. funny thing was one time I uh, saw that, you know, Google came up that my name was somewhere and it was for my book called No Means No. And apparently they had said in this article in a newspaper that Donald Trump should be, he should read this book. For two-year-olds, two to six-year-olds <laughs> called No Means No, <laughs> which is oh all about God. body boundaries. So, yeah, that was really funny. Yeah. It's like the only time That's I ever so want funny. my name anywhere close to Donald Trump. You know, that particular book, No Means No, is all about consent in that, you know, if you, if a child doesn't want to hug or kiss someone, that they have the right to mm-hmm. say no or give them a high five or a, a bump elbows, you know, mm-hmm. their voice is important, their their um needs are important and this is something I think um, adults really need to learn is that you know children have a voice they're not just there for you to tell what to do and push around Uh, they have Mm -hmm. agency and that um, if they choose not to give you a hug or a kiss when you ask which you should then that is their choice and it's not about your feelings it's about Correct. their rights. And so it's not all about you, oh, yeah. I'm so sad, I'm so disappointed. Like don't put that on the child. That's only guilting and shaming them. And also there, uh, I mean, there are a handful of of books. There's like uh, Miles is the Boss of His Body mm. and Don't Hug Doug. He doesn't like it. Like books like that that, are, that focus on sort of the physical mm. aspects of consent. Like I don't like hugging people, you know, those kinds of things. And one of the things that I, I liked about both of those books was the idea that like that just because like me not hugging you doesn't mean I don't like you. I like you. <laughs> I just don't like hugs or like, I yeah. like you. Like, and I feel like parents often at time I see this, like take it very personally. If they're like, give me a hug. And their kid's like, I don't want to give you a hug or whatever, you know, especially like with toddlers, like I, the parents that I work for sometimes get like very offended. And I'm just like, it's not about you. It's yeah. not that they don't, don't love you. Like they love you. <laughs> it's just that they're busy playing with blocks right now. Or like, they just yeah. don't feel like giving you a hug, you know, or it's whatever, whatever it is in that moment. Right. Absolutely. But I think it's important not to take it personally. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> my youngest daughter, Isabel, she has never liked particularly um, hugs and kisses. I'm I'm very affectionate, but she has, like from a 
from a young child. She, that's not her love language. She has a different love language and that might be, you know, just going for a walk together or saying, hey, mum, do you want to meet for a coffee or and chatting with me. So I, you know, at first it was tough when she was little but I've learned that that, mm-hmm. you know, that's her right, that's okay, but it's, she still loves me. She just shows in it and we show each other love in different ways. And so I just have to, yeah, absolutely. you know, I have to just cope with that and that's part of being a parent, isn't it, being the big person in the room <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. um, and coping with what, what's going on really. Kids have yeah, got to learn absolutely. to respect other people's boundaries too. It works both mm-hmm. ways. Like. You know, some kids just think they could come in and push a child or take their bucket or push them off the slide and you go, no, you, you can't do that. They have a body boundary and you're going inside that without consent. So it also goes mm-hmm. in helping with kind of bullying situations that, you know, mm. just walking into another person's personal space is, 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 is bullying and can be. So and respecting yeah. kids need to respect parents' boundaries. Sometimes they need a break. Yeah. They need space. They don't need you knocking on the toilet door all the time. So, you know. <laughs> That's a, a fight I have with Nora all the time at work. I'm like we, we're talking about like what privacy means. <laughs> yes, privacy and private places, you know, not only about private mm-hmm. parts of your body, but privacy and private part um private places not yeah. you know they're yours if you're in a private place that's nobody can just come on in and we know that perpetrators <laughs> will on a more serious note perpetrators will um will use that to groom children they will you know oh knock mm-hmm. on the bathroom door and go oh i'm so sorry i didn't know you were in there you know i just just mm-hmm. passing through a need to towel or something and just you know doing that and seeing how the child reacts so Mm. You know, it's important that children know about public and private place, places and also privacy. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. How did you first learn about consent? Like, were you taught about consent as a child? Was it more as an adult? Like, how did that first kind of come to you? Look, I think um, I don't think I was formally ever taught consent as a child for sure. I grew up on a farm, so I had horses. So <laughs> I guess, I, you know, <laughs> you can't get too close to a horse without being sure they want you near them. <laughs> Maybe I learned consent from riding horses. I don't know, but I certainly wasn't <laughs> taught it formally. And and I've had this conversation with my own daughters and others as well, but I was brought up during the first wave of feminism during the 70s and 80s, and I really felt mm. quite empowered as a young woman, I have to admit. And research has actually come out in Australia that they're saying men over 55 are often more respectful for women and and talk about consent more than men under 55 and you know that would probably be my experience that when I was growing up in the 70s 80s we really like there was nothing that we couldn't do and our the men in our lives were friends like they were good friends and I Mm. in my case I maybe I was lucky but quite respectful so um I personally think this idea of consent and sexual assault, particularly amongst on t- uh, with teenagers and young people, I, I actually think it's on the rise, and and that would yeah. be f- based around a lot of pornography where there's no consent whatsoever, and social media. Mm. Um, I think kids aren't getting the right kind of education. You know, consent isn't unpacked for them. Sexual sexual consent mm-hmm. isn't unpacked for them in the teenage years and. 
I think um, this really needs to be in our schools, really. Yeah, and you know, I think there's also this idea when it comes to uh, consent between, you know, two adults um, in a sexual situation, which mm. is often where our brains go to when we talk about consent, but obviously mm. it means a lot, you know, yeah. it's a lot of we different We can talk scenarios. about where it um, begins, but, actually. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. But but they, uh, our guest who was on earlier uh, was talking about a situation where the fir- one of the first times that she sort of formally was introduced to consent was in, you know, a you know, a sexual situation where like mm. someone was asking her permission to kiss her and this and that. And she was like, this is so sexy. Like there's this idea mm. that consent isn't sexy. Mm. And she was like, it's, it was awesome for someone to be like, Hey, can I do this? Can yeah. I do this? Right. Yeah. And like checking in and like, there's this idea that it's like, Oh, it's not, but like, it's awesome. Like it's awesome yeah. to ask for consent. And so I think, I think even as an, like as adults, right. Because we need to understand it in all sorts of circumstances in order to be able to teach kids about it. But I think, you know, it's, it's important in so many different contexts. Right. But there's, but especially in that context, I feel like I hear that argument a lot that it's not sexy. And I'm like, I don't even think that's true. Like it's people true, are respecting me and asking me what I want. Yeah, like, that's that great. Right. It's, it's gorgeous. It's respectful. It's wonderful. And, you know, I think when we teach children um, body safety and consent from a very young age, we're teaching them that, you know, they, they'll be quite empowered and expect someone mm-hmm. to ask consent. So when they become teenagers, you know, this is just going to be normal for them that the person does check, mm-hmm. does ask for consent. And going back to that sort of hugs and kisses for grandma or grandpa and making the child feel guilty, oh, I'm really sad you didn't give me a hug. Uh, you know, that sets them up for later in life when they're 13 or 14 and the guys or the girls going, well, you, you, and usually it's often the guys, I have to say, saying, you know, well, you <laughs> feel really bad and, you know, you really should come over here and do this to me and this and that to me and, She's like, oh, yeah, I guess if I love you, I should, and feeling all guilt and shame. And, you know, you can't, it's it's quite dangerous setting young children up like that. It's emotional manipulation it to do it that really to your It actually is. I mean, probably a lot of, you know, people my age probably wouldn't see it that way, but I see it definitely as quite dangerous. And the other thing is perpetrators will use it like oh the big person you always have to do what the big person says so you go hug your Mm -hmm. grandma you go hug your um um uncle because i said so so you know they say you you Mm. have to touch me like this because i said so so it's really quite dangerous and setting them up for um to be groomed in a way for sexual abuse. Yeah. So. Well, that's why I think it's important to not to have, like, I think it's hard because with kids, often we do these like black and white rules. Mm. Like you always have to listen to grownups or you always have to do this. Right. Mm. And uh, I think it's important to put the, the sort of nuance in there yeah. uh, even for for young kids like you know grown-ups you know like whatever that kind of caveat mm. is um, but like but you don't if like someone's going in your body boundary and you don't like it right like that's a different you know that's a different story but you know I'm actually curious and I'm jumping around a little bit mm. but ki- so how do we kind of navigate situations where right like with a young child who might not want to take a bath or right do something where I'm going there or like a diaper change right like yeah like how do we because this is a question that I get asked by parents a lot and I'm like I I mean this is how I do it but I'm curious you know what your feelings are about that okay and you're gonna ask me that okay so what I do is I say to the child or I would ask I would advise the parent to say to the child Okay, so my job is to keep you safe. That's what my job is. Mm -hmm. 
And sometimes I have to do things that you really don't want me to do in order to keep you safe. So you might want to hold my hand when we're crossing the road because you just don't want to hold my hand. But my job is to keep you safe. So when we're crossing the road, I need to hold your hand. Or, you know, you have um, mm-hmm. some some nappy rash or you have a sore on your, your bottom and my job is to help you that to heal and keep you safe. So I need to put some cream on that. And I think asking, yeah. talk, you know, explaining to the child what you're doing, telling them what you're doing and why you're doing it and s- saying that you're keeping them safe is really important. And I also think if they need to go to the doctor or to the dentist, that they should have that same conversation. The doctor should say, mm-hmm. is it okay if I touch your tummy? I'm just, you know, I need to touch your tummy to keep you safe. So is it okay if I touch your tummy? And I, I'm sure children will, will um, in most cases, come around to it. And the same with the dentist yeah. because the mouth is a private part. So the dentist should always yeah. say, can I look inside your mouth, please? So that's my answer. What's your answer, Seth? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm very, we're on the same page. That's basically, basically, <laughs> I do a very similar thing. The other circumstance I was going to talk about mm. is a, sometimes like, let's say a kid is, th- you know, throwing a tantrum mm. in the middle, of, well, in the middle of the road would be more like I would just grab them. But you know, in a situation where like, we need to move, mm. you know, their body. Mm. And so I'll always say like, I'm going to give you three seconds mm-hmm. or like however many seconds I'm going to count down to five. And after five, like I'm going to help you move. I'm going to move your body mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Right. With like young, young kids. Yeah. So like, I'll tell them, I'll like give them a preparation yeah. to like, if you want to, you know, go do the thing, I'm giving you some time. Yeah. But if you don't, I'm going to, for your safety or for whatever it is, like I'm going to have to move your body. So I always give them a heads up. Yeah. I don't just like grab kids. Um, so I think that's another circumstance that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. And when you were talking about doctors, even mm-hmm. with adults, like earlier uh, with our guest earlier, I was talking about a situation where I had a gynecological exam and the, it was the first time that the doctor was like, just talk to me through everything that they were oh. doing. They were like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do. And I was like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> because like, you know, like, and even with like, and even not, you know, in any kind of doctor scenario where like someone's coming in my body boundary, touching my body, like I, I like to be told what's going to happen, Absolutely. right? Even if it's just like I don't want us to feel a cold stethoscope on my back without like yep. rep, right? I yep. want to know that's going to happen. Absolutely. Um, and and so I think that's so important. And a lot of doctors don't do that, which is wild to me. Like it shouldn't have been so shocking to me the first time it happened. I know. It's just incredible. But also I was pointing it out to my dentist and she mm. didn't even think about it because, you know, survivors of sexual abuse, that can trigger them sitting in a dentist chair yeah. at someone trying to put things in their mouth. And that is very, very mm-hmm. triggering. And she hadn't even thought about it. So there's probably yeah. been survivors in her chair who didn't say anything, who were, you know, probably yeah. very stressed and um, anxious about that. So I think... You know, maybe that needs to be in their training or something that they need to think about that as well. So very Yeah, well, a lot of times we don't, which is why it's so important, right? That's part of the reason I have this podcast is like to learn about other people's experiences Mm. because like, right, of course, like we are not, each of us cannot have every experience that exists, right? And so like, but a lot of times we don't think about Mm. other people's experiences, not in a way that's like, oh, I don't want to think about it, but like it just never occurred to us, right, to think about that, Um, which is why I think it's so important, right, to just learn about other people's experiences and meet all different kinds of people and listen, right, when like, I think it's great that your dentist listened when you said that. I wasn't just like, oh, I don't have survivors in my chair or whatever. Mm. Like some people will just kind of make an excuse or brush it off or be like, you know, there's there or there's so few people that that 
couldn't matter. You know what I mean? And I think it's important when someone tells you something like that to listen. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah. you know, I, I just think survivors are the, they're just the bravest people I know. And they, you know, children who are survivors as well and, you know, haven't disclosed, you know, just imagine what it would be like for them. Um, seeing a doctor yeah. or a dentist when they they haven't um, yeah. they don't even understand what's going on. So that's why I'm so passionate about getting this education out to kids, not mm. just about consent. I mean, consent's the beginning, but body safety skills as well. You know. So when do we start having mm. these conversations? Like, okay. and I I mean, I say conversations that sounds so formal, but you know, when do we start talking about this with kids? Like, right from the beginning, or is there a specific age you feel like, oh, you're four now, it's time to start <laughs> yeah. talking about it? <laughs> no, look, I think well, certainly we can start. I mean, we can start in a number of ways, but let's let's just begin at the beginning, particularly because it's all part of it. Like gender equality is part of it because. You know, when one gender thinks they have power over another, then we have situations Mm. of domestic violence, sexual abuse, sexual assault. So let's start at the beginning. Somebody's having a child um, and so, you know, they say, oh, I'm having a girl and straight away that girl is labelled as, oh, she'll be a little princess, she's going to be so cute. Oh, you're having a boy. Oh, be a footballer like Dad. How fantastic. Um, you know, so let's get rid of all of those labels right from the start and sort of, you know, mm-hmm. and absolutely. And so when you, you've had this child that you, um, you, you dress them in gender neutral clothing um, and then when they are able to speak, they can obviously pick their own clothing. Give them choice when they begin to be a little person yes. with a voice. Give them choice. But, okay, so back to consent. Okay, so it needs to be modelled in the home right from day dot. So, you know, respectful for each other, asking consent for each other if you're in a partnership, Um, just modelling that in front of the child Mm. all the time, talking to them about, you know, that you are changing the nappy, you know, explaining things to them. Of course you're not going to get any verbal consent back or anything, nor would you be asking, but you're just explaining what you're doing to their body mm-hmm. and um, and the reasons why. So you're giving them that sense of agency straight from the start. Then once they start to talk around about two-ish, then you can really go into the body boundary and the personal space and that you, you know, mm-hmm. people need to ha- ask you for hugs and kisses and you don't, and you need to do the same on the way back because toddlers will often just grab people and stuff and, you know, they have their body boundary too and, mm-hmm. you know, talk about all that sort of stuff with them. And then as they get a little bit older, maybe around about four or three and a half, four, you can then start to talk about that you wear your private part. Oh, no, well, of course you'd be calling the private parts by the correct names right from day dot as well, so mm-hmm. penis, vaginas, vulvas, etc. And then you would start to be saying that these are your private parts and that nobody can touch your private parts, no one can show you pictures of private parts and no one should ask you to touch their private parts. So we go into that. Then what? Mm-hmm. Um, talk about early warning signs you know, those butterflies in your tummy, sweaty palms, shaky knees, talking about those in terms of feeling unsafe um, and what it feels like to feel safe and unsafe and then going into having a safety network, three to five adults that they could go to who would believe them if they ever felt unsafe or they felt um, scared or worried and then also talking about secrets and surprises, the difference 
But in our mm. family, we don't have secrets. We just have surprises because they'll always be told. So getting mm -hmm. secrets out of people's vocab, that's a really important one. With a body safety, there are a set kind of like seven to eight kind of set sort of steps. And mm -hmm. that would be in my book called My Body, What I Say Goes. And that book mm -hmm. I would start reading to, depends on the child, um, but I would start unpacking that in small bits and pieces probably around about three and a half, four. We always begin the conversation around feelings too because we want to give mm -hmm. kids the vocab like, oh, I'm really, I'm really sad or I'm really scared or I'm really frustrated or I'm really... Um, Mm -hmm. feeling unsafe and this you know and recognizing what unsafe is so we we get them to talk about lots of feelings and just because kids are small they can still understand large words like frustrated oh, yeah. and you know things like that so um there was a I, I think i've mentioned this on the podcast like three times but there was this thing that i saw on instagram that was like if you think patriarchy is like too big of a word to talk to kids about, so is Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, exactly. like we could talk to kids about big words and big yeah, concepts. Like we're yeah. giving it to them at, at manageable, you know, bites that they can understand, right? Mm. Like, do they want your like 20 page dissertation about con consent? Like, no, they <laughs> just want, you know, they need a little bit. Uh, you know, of what they can understand and what they need yeah. at that moment, yeah. right? And then, it, and then it evolves as they get older. They need more information. That's exactly. Um, and right. again, that's why it's not one conversation where no. you sit down and talk about consent and it's over. You dust your hands, no. um, right? It's a, it's a evolving conversations. You know, all the time, and all those, like we were saying, all those little things mm -hmm. every day of res modeling, respecting mm -hmm. boundaries mm -hmm. with you know your partner, with your kids, right? Modeling, you know, all of that. You know, asking for yeah. hugs and kisses, yeah. And yeah. these kinds of things. So it's it's not just a conversation it's also it's not like you talk it's about ongoing. it and it's done like you have to also model it in your actions yeah there's <laughs> always these teaching moments that you can use like mm -hmm. and that's particularly useful if you are a teacher as well so we we have um, a body safety teachers resource kit and why we have that is because I want teachers in particular to own it not all these kids are going to not all kids will get the consent and the body safety message at home so they're going to be at school yeah. and I want teachers to own it I want them to unpack it with their own class because rather than a provider coming in and doing it and then leaving because situations will happen like you know the little uh child who's peeking under the toilet door at some other child in a private place like <laughs> mm -hmm. you know okay we've talked about this now let's have a conversation about you know that that's not mm -hmm. on and that's a private place and what does that mean so unpacking it right there and then and I think um that's why that is really important to me that yeah there is no set time to go okay we're going to talk body safety now and consent but oh it's well ongoing. even mm. And even talking about like you were talking about like private and public, like I, I was substitute teaching once. So I had the same class for a week of second graders. Mm. And at one point, I like to joke, I don't know if I was doing a very good rendition of the very hungry caterpillar or a very bad one, but it was during story time. And uh, there was a little girl and I looked over and she was touching her vulva mm. in the middle of story time. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like, I mean, they don't teach, they don't prepare you for this in teacher school. I just, so I made like kind of a shocked face or whatever. And she immediately like stopped and uh, you know, whatever afterwards, you know, I mm. went and, you know, but like, that's a conversation mm. that we need to have about, mm. right? Like that, I believe me, 
young kids, that stuff happens all the time. And sure. then, of course, I went to the teacher and told her in case it was a sign of anything, of you know, course, because like, we always course. say, like, that fun. could be totally normal, yeah. could be a sign of, a, like, we have no idea. Yeah. So I told her just because she would know better than I yeah. did from my one week there. Um, but you know what I mean? All of these kinds of situations are going to come up. Yeah. Where you're going to need to have these conversations about public and private. You're going to need to have these conversations mm. about body boundaries, especially with young kids. Are you kidding me? They're always in each other's body Yeah, boundaries. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, one of these books that I really – I really love this particular book, Let's Talk About Body Boundaries, Consent and Respect, and it seems to be <laughs> the one that most people really like right now because it's all about consent. And, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. the scenarios I've put in, you'd think, oh, you know, maybe I didn't need to put that one in. Cause, but I, I really like to reinforce it to kids because they don't yeah. learn from one scenario. They learn from a lot no. of scenarios that they're familiar with. So that reinforcing the message to children, as we know as educators, is really important. You can't just sort of go, oh, now you know it. Like, no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> you have to reinforce And also it. like like we were saying, it's going to be so many different circumstances. It's mm. not just one, you know, it's not just one circumstance, which is actually, uh, I really appreciate that you show different circumstances in that book, because I think, like I said, like the other two books I was talking about, and a lot of the, the books are specifically about like hugging and kissing, mm. and mm. which is important, but it's not the only no. circumstance, no. right, that consent happens in. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> um, I mean, there are... You... I think it's just kind of the hot topic one. It is the hot topic <laughs> one. And, and it's the, yeah. you know, that's a... That's a good place to start. It's a start. But, um, and you yeah. know, I have no means no, which is was really came out mm-hmm. of teaching, like you, I was doing a bit of relief teaching. I was teaching a little girl who was about six and she was one of those little girls that every boy in the class wanted to touch or hold her hand or be around. And <laughs> I said to her, do yeah. you really want them to hold your hand? Do you really want them touching you? And she's like, no, I don't. And I'm like say no you know say no I don't like that stay away and she could not do it she was all kind of coy and shy and oh my god if she's like this at five or six like what's she going to be like at 13 or 14 well I also think it's really important like we uh, people who are socialized female are often taught to to have this like politeness Mm. and this like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh this like don't offend people and people pleasing that can be really dangerous it can be so dangerous because I'm I'm like I I told me told an example um well, this will now be in the future because I recorded this out of order. So <laughs> this is the first time I'm telling this example for listeners, I guess. Um, I, I went, I was living in Italy uh, at the time I studied there. And um, I went on a date with this guy mm. who I had met at the marketplace. He had a stand at the marketplace I went to. And uh, we went on a date and my my mom was like, whatever you do. Like I told her over the phone, whatever. And she was like, whatever you do, don't go into his apartment. Yeah. And because I was not interested in having sex at that time wasn't something I was interested in because this is my this was I didn't know I was trans and that's you know I was Hmm. like it was so funny I used to use the like I was raised raised uh, very religious very uh, Christian Um. and my so I would always be like oh I'm so I'm just saving myself for marriage and then I was like oh no it's just that I didn't want to have sex um (laughs) but anyway so so the of course what's the first thing that happens he's like oh I just need to go get something for my apartment do you want to come in and I'm like uh yeah sure because I didn't want to offend him and I I think yes. I tried to say no and he was like oh come on you don't mm. want to stay outside or like whatever he like talked me into it and I you know I th- and it could have I think about that a lot where I'm mm. like that could have ended up so badly yeah 
like you know and and, and then thank god like clearly clearly i'm still alive because i'm telling you this story and Mm. thankfully nothing happened but uh it was just awkward and he gave me a glass of wine and i was like i don't want let's leave um (laughs) but anyway it ended with a chocolate festival the story was okay (laughs) oh was it in sienna was that the chocolate venture Oh, it was actually in Florence. Oh, okay. Was, I think it was a traveling chocolate festival. Okay. It was like a pop-up kind of thing. It, we we literally did shots of just like pure chocolate. It was oh, so good. Yeah. But anyway, off topic. Off topic. But, you know, sorry. I think particularly women are taught to be saying sorry all the time. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. It must have been my fault. Mm-hmm. Now, like, stop saying sorry. Sorry is not mm-hmm. a good idea. Like, you know, so you don't want to have sex with him. You're not sorry about it. Like. That's just the way it is. Nope. You don't have sex or whatever. So, yeah, we are taught from a young age to be the nice people and uh, particularly yeah. women and just do be sort of subs- not subservient, what's the word, but just more um, pliable, yeah. I suppose. I understand what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that you do. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like I was saying, it could be it could be really dangerous. Like I'm also thinking of like the – I feel like this is an example I see used a lot of like, you know, a guy offering you a drink at a bar and like, you don't, you know, if you don't want to accept that drink or you don't feel safe accepting mm. that drink, like, you know, don't feel like you have to say no. yes, because, you know, you can just be like, no, thanks. Yeah. Yep. You know, yeah. And like, I don't know you. I don't want your drink. <laughs> yeah. And we need to, you know, we need to actually teach young kids this from mm-hmm. a young age or it just doesn't yes, come exactly. naturally that kind of confidence and, and exactly. the, there is another point that comes up quite regularly too is that sometimes with kids, like we practice, you know, that sort of superpower stance with the hand out saying stop or no. <laughs> but we as adults know sometimes if we are in a tricky situation, we freeze and we, we can't say yeah. no. And I think that does definitely happen to kids. So the default is always like we don't, um, when we're teaching body safety, we don't you know, say, well, you can do this or you can do that. But we say, look, if if sometimes it is really scary and the person you're really frightened and you can't say no, then you must always go to the trusted grown-up on your safety network mm-hmm. straight away. That's just you got to get away and just find that trusted yeah. person straight away. So Something that I really liked in your uh, your ABCs of body safety and consent yeah. was the idea of like if I, be- I believe I was reading a lot of books lately, so tell me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but I believe it was in your book. The idea that like if that person doesn't listen, go to someone mm-hmm. else. Yeah. I really, I really like that idea of like not just like tell an adult, and if they're like, mm, yeah, you know, or if they're too busy, you know, whatever it is, like find you can, else. you know, go to the next person. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I think that's really important because I, you know, I think sometimes as adults, I mean, either you know, maybe we're just too busy or we're not paying attention mm-hmm. or whatever it is, mm-hmm. or maybe you know, it is an adult who's not taking it seriously, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's important to yeah. you know to be able to say okay, like. That, but didn't work with that person's so like I, this is important i'm going to tell somebody else. yeah absolutely um, and that options you know, which is why you have a network right it's not just your one exactly. parent or your one teacher yeah. right and you know some yeah. people are you know are really frightened of this topic adults and i would say to them mm-hmm. like don't be i mean the point is yeah. just like you teach road safety water safety you you never talk 
anything graphic with children about body safety. You know, it's it's all well, that's what I was going to ask. Like, how do we yeah. teach this without it being kind of scary? Right. Well, it's not scary. That's the whole. It's age appropriate. Yeah. So it's all about okay, mm-hmm. this is your body. It belongs to you. No one can touch it. You know. Um, okay, let's put our mm-hmm. hand out and say stop and no and just really empower them. And so it's it's never anything. Um, it's it's never. So any- we're not like we're not scaring them no. with graphic ideas of things that could happen. No, yeah. the, well, why would we? Yeah. And I mean, it's just a bit like wearing yeah. a seatbelt is always the way I say it. We hope yeah. that you never need to use that seatbelt, but it's really responsible for us as adults to teach kids mm-hmm. these skills just in case they can't be with you twenty four seven. So just in case yeah. it happens, and I hope it doesn't, they'll know from that very first inappropriate touch. Well, it's true. I never thought about it that way of like the same way we would do like, you know, fire safety or we would do like if there was whatever we were like, you know, a earthquake or, you mm. know, in certain places in the world, you do yeah. like in earthquake drills, right? Like it's the same way, right? Is Am I going to be stuck in a fire yeah. in my life? I hope not. Like statistically probably not but like is it good for me to know what to do if i am in a fire absolutely so i think about i think that's a really good comparison it is and it and it's also really important to know that you are not going to actually talk about the the act of sexual abuse with children like why would you they're children yes you're there to just empower them and tell them that you know this is not right if their private parts are touched or they see pictures and just go straight to that trusted Mm -hmm. adult straight away and tell them that's their job to protect you and Mm -hmm. i love the idea also of like sitting down and saying like, yeah. who are your trusted adults? Right. And like making a plan in this, in the same way that we, like when I was a kid, we would, in my own home, we would have like a fire escape plan. If there was ever a fire, we'd say like, mm. this is where we'll meet. This is where we go. Not that my house was that big, yeah. but like we had a meeting spot, but you know what I mean? But I like that idea of sitting down and like saying like, and I know, uh, I don't know if it was in one of your books or another book that they were like, you can have like yeah, one for each finger. That would be, on your yeah, hand. it's on my, it's um, what you do I when re- you do I a safety it. network with kids is you, you can outline their hands and you can say, well, only three mm-hmm. to five, because I know as a child, I probably would have been pretty lucky to even get three on my hand, but you, yeah, well, I think it was one hand. That's what I remember. Yeah. Like and then you fingers. can like, yeah. You can write the person's name or the kids can draw a little picture, but you need to know that those those people are, you know, available and mm-hmm. that you should and they and they're your child's choice. And sometimes yeah. you think, "Oh, you're going to, you know, you have to put your stepfather on." And they're like, "Well, no, they don't want to." So, it's yeah. got to be their choice and one person should not be in the family. So, like a teacher yeah. or a neighbor yeah. or even a kid's well, also, line. Like- yeah, or also like some or like people who are in different s- situations or scenarios, right? Like if something happens at school, or right, I'm not going to be there mm. and your teachers, you know, maybe there's so, so maybe we can find someone at school or think of someone mm. at school that could yeah. be on that yeah, list, right? That you could put on the list. Because yeah, we're not, definitely. you know, obviously as parents, as caregivers, we're not there all the time. So it's good to have kind of a variety of yeah. people in different places. I mean, at you least with def- kids, they're not going too many different places, but you know. No, you'd definitely be on your kids list that you take yes. care of. So you'd be, you know, and what an <laughs> honour it is to be on a child's list that they've right. – I have a little friend um, 
Izzy. Now, I've never met Izzy and his mum, but they follow me on Facebook and we've become mm-hmm. friends over time and I've given them books <laughs> to help Izzy with reading and stuff. And he asked if I would be on his safety network. Oh, my gosh. And I was just so honoured and, That's so you know, sweet. it was just it was just a real honor. So we, we talked on the phone and we chatted about what that would mean. And he had my name. Oh, and so, oh my yeah. gosh. I love that. that. Was, That's so that sweet. Really yeah. Lovely. It's, it's always so special and because when kids say things like that, because it's so genuine, right? Like, mm. like the other day, Nora, who's two and a half, just looked up at me and she was like, you're my friend. And I was like, oh, uh, we're friends. Like, I don't, I mean, your other friends are your stuffed animals. Like she literally calls them her yeah. friends. So I was like, I don't, I mean, you really don't know anyone else. We're in quarantine, but like, I'll take it. Yeah, it's so funny Which, when she pointed the she pointed her stuffed animals the other day. Like, those are my friends, and I was like, oh no, we got to socialize you. <laughs> we haven't and seen that's anyone another in a point. year. With, with the safety <laughs> network too, Seth. Actually, if they want to put their stuffed animal and say, oh well, I'll tell you know, I'll tell Teddy what happened. And you're just like, mm-hmm. okay, well, Teddy's not a adu- not a grown up, not an adult, but we can write Teddy in the palm of your hand because you know that if you tell Teddy. Teddy can't do anything, but we can mm. still put Teddy in the palm of your hand as well. Because um, a lot of people, Aww. a lot of kids want to put their dog. So they kind of need to be told, you know, your dog really won't be able to help you right there, but you can put that, draw your picture of your dog in the palm. Well, I like the idea too that like, well, there has to be an, an adult. They're not. Teddy mm-hmm. is not an adult or the dog isn't yeah. an adult. <laughs> I guess you can get tricky there if the dog <laughs> is an adult, if it's an older dog yeah. right because i used to have a cat growing up who was older than me i used to say that i had a big brother and then people would come over and they'd be like where's your big brother and I'd be like, the cat. <laughs> but anyway uh before we sort of do our wrap-up mm. stuff i uh, obviously there's a lot of things that we've talked about but if you could kind of drive home like one piece of advice or one thing to remember mm. for grown-ups having these conversations with kids what would it be the biggest of probably what i kind of said is just don't let your fear of this topic stop you teaching these mm. skills to your kids because, you know, survivors say to me, like, if only they had known from that first inappropriate touch that it was wrong, how different their lives would be. So, you know, you're un- you're uncomfortable about this topic, don't be, because your child's yeah. going to be a lot more uncomfortable if they are abused. So put that aside, look at it straight in the eye and go, okay, we're going to do these skills, we're going to empower my child and then I'm going to tell all my neighbours I'm doing it and I'm going to tell all my friends at the kinder group I'm doing it I'm going to (laughs) get them to do it too and then it's sort of like a ripple effect. And I have a poster called uh, My Body Safety Rules, which is free to download. It's in 17 different languages. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say you have have a lot of great free resources. Even that, you know, adults, download that put it on your refrigerator somewhere prominent and I can guarantee that if a perpetrator comes into your home and sees that your child is educated to tell and is educated in body safety, they're not going to go near your child. It sends a very clear message. My website is www.e and then the numeral 2e, so e2epublishing.info and heaps of free resources Mm -hmm. there and lots of great stuff and yeah that poster is a really good one to you know be loud and proud that you're educating your kids in body safety and you know using the correct terms for um and you and another one for adults use Mm -hmm. the correct terms for your kids um genitals because Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. if they ever are touched inappropriately, it will not hold up in court of law if they're calling them some cutesy name. So they need to say exactly where they were touched. And also uh, if a kid says to the perpetrator, oh, you touched my vagina or you can't touch my vagina, they will run for the hills because... You know, it's all about secrets for them. It's all about it hidden stuff. And yeah. if we mm. And even just I I find it so interesting when people don't either don't talk about those body parts or use other names because like especially with the not talking about it because uh the other day Nora told me her vulva okay. hurt. And like if she didn't have that language, how would she exactly. have told me where she was hurting and like we found out that she somehow got yeah. a cut on her vulva we were like how did you do this but anyway the point being like we she wouldn't have been able to say my vulva hurts if she didn't have the word vulva and we would have met you know she's a toddler right like they can you know she can't explain exactly where it is if she doesn't have the word for it and so it's just important like just the way we teach elbow like vulva like it's just a body part it's just the same it's the same and if parents (laughs) or teachers feel shy to say the words just say it over and over for a while and you it's fine <laughs> vulva is a very <laughs> silly right. word if you say it a couple of times <laughs> um but uh okay. but anyway uh, i mean mm. uh aside from obviously you mentioned some of your own books and do you have any other resources uh, of books or other things that you you like either for adults or kids around this topic i have a friend who uh has a she teaches with teaches Indigenous kids in the Northern Territory of Australia mm. and um, Holly Ann Martin, Safe for Kids. So that's a really good, uh, she's a really great person to follow, Safe for Kids. And another friend of mine, Margie, Hush Education, she has some really great resources too for kids and on body safety. So they are great. We all kind of work together. We're all really passionate about mm-hmm. this they um, often, you know, buy my books to use with in their actual because mm-hmm. they go out into the schools and do yeah these um, the field work <laughs> the, the lessons and things and yeah. stuff like that. But Holly Ann writes as well, um, and yeah, we I have lots of free videos. There's one in particular that's really good called My Body Safety Rules, which is great for kids who are on the spectrum because mm. it's visual and uh, mm-hmm. it goes through all the body safety rules. Uh, that's on YouTube, and um, yeah, it just breaks it down for those kids who who, who don't want to sit and listen for for long, long lengths of time. So yeah, go on there, have a good look, heaps of stuff. And in Canada, you can buy my books. I think you can really only get them through Amazon, or yeah. buy them on our website, and um, we can get them posted from the US to or from here. Yeah, yeah. And there's also I want to shout out because as an organization person, this made me so happy is that you can buy like bundles of the books about certain topics. Yes. Like you could buy all the books about yes. consent. You could buy all the like because obviously you write mm. about things other than consent and body safety, mm. um, like gender equality and things like that. Mm. I know I have. Mm. Oh gosh, what was the the one about? The dragon and the princess. Oh, yeah, the not so perfect princess and the not so dreadful dragon. I love that book. I have that book. It's so good. It's a good book about not making assumptions about people based Mm, on what they look like or what their title is or whatever. Um, yeah there's a few lessons and have you read pearl fairweather pirate captain i haven't oh there's some good lessons in that i have to you know what i gotta put it on my my very lengthy amazon wish list (laughs) okay that's it that's it got some really good lessons about you and also actually now that i'm thinking about it because basically what i do with the twins is i have i'm in my office right now uh which is just literally wall-to-wall bins. I have 52 
bins with a theme for each week of the year. And I do a theme every week with them. And one wow. of the things I do is pirates. And I don't oh. have any books about pirates. So there you go. Oh, That's, I always okay. try to find okay. like more inclusive books about whatever topic I'm doing. Yeah. Um, okay. so there you go. I'm so going to ha- I have an excuse to buy it now. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's work. great, Seth. Thank you for that. I know we talked a little bit about your website already and some of your mm. books, but I don't know if there's any other uh, projects that you're working on now or things oh. that you want to plug aside from that stuff or maybe where and also where we can find oh. you if you're on other social media places. Okay, so I am on Instagram for sure. So Janine Sanders author and E to um, no educate to empower, which is is the other Instagram, Educate to Empower. But I do have um, a launch coming up. It's my first Ooh. launch, so anybody wants to join can. It's for my new book, Hope, which is a book to help children build resilience and assist those recovering from and all living in family violence situations. So it, the illustrations are absolutely beautiful by Vivian mm. Minica, and it's for kids who are in family violence homes. So that's coming up. And then soon we'll have a series of 12 little books, which will be perfect for your twins, called (laughs) Little Big Chat. And they're 12 books, um, 16 pages each. And I'll quickly read you the topics of the 12 books. Consent, Secrets and Surprises, Private Parts of Private, My Safety Network, My Early Warning Signs, Families, I Always Try, Feelings, Everyone is Equal, Empathy, Mindfulness and Around the World. Oh my gosh, that sounds awesome. So the families have all kinds of families. The Everyone is Equal is all about gender equality and diversity. The Around the World is celebrating racial equality and diversity. And then all the other ones are around mm-hmm. the body safety That's and awesome. consent and feelings and mindfulness. <laughs> so they'll be in a pack, oh, a cool. pack of 12. So they'll be... You know, not not too expensive. That's what I always like. I yeah, my books too expensive, and then um, they will like teach, parents can just take little bite sizes. Yeah, that's awesome. Young kids, so they're for two to six year olds. And also, like I feel like if there's a specific part that you want to, you know, talk about or that maybe they're not understanding or you want to focus on, like mm. you can just take that little bit mm. and talk about that little. I like that idea. Uh, to break it yes. down. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. It's been uh, listeners. I'll part the curtain a little bit and let you know that it is a 5am for me because we have a big uh, time difference between Australia <laughs> and uh, Canada. So I this is a great way to wake yeah. up. What a lovely conversation to wake up to. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much. Jadine. And remember, stay rad. Jones, Hi, and this I'm is- fish with legs. I'm a fish with legs. Fish. I'm the elemental creature of water, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast called October Jones and Fish with Legs, starring me and my best friend, <laughs> October Jones. Nailed it. 
October and Fish is a fictional series that follows me and Fish with Legs as we try to stop an evil two-headed snake from releasing a terrible monster. And make friends, and go on adventures, and get captured a lot, and escape a lot, and encounter racism. And what? And learn very special lessons every third episode. I have not learned a single lesson. Yes, you did. We learned about being friends, and authoritarianism, and colonialism, and how to defeat a giant crab. Authoritarianism? They're in authority for a reason, Fish With Legs. If everyone followed the rules set in place by the human government, then there wouldn't be- Wait for adults and kids. <laughs> New episodes on Mondays. You can find it wherever you find podcasts, and of course, on the Upford website. Okay, that's it. I'm Tom Zalatni, executive producer of the Upford Network and host and producer of Up for Discussion, a podcast about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. But wait, isn't Up for Discussion a comedy podcast? It sure was, but things change. It's a food show now, and it's a very, very good food show. Every week, I dig into a different ingredient, dish, meal, or cuisine with help from friends and guest experts who know way more about this stuff than I do. Do you like food? Of course you do. You're a person. So you will like this show. Go listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Up for discussion. It's a food podcast now, brought to you by the Upford Network.